where they say that they're beating down their backlogs and they're breaking down the benefits. But in this podcast, where they're really good at being bad at brevity, their backlogs never seem to dwindle. They just grow, grow. It's the never ending. I don't know. I got nothing. I I, <laughs> I, I pooped a bed on that. I spooked a bed. That's so cool. Okay, I got it. That's what backlogs do. That's in what night bags. springs. That's what oh, springs. That's there what we, backlogs do. That's what backlogs in do. Night spring in <laughs> night springs. I like it. Welcome to a backlog breakdown episode, uh, or another episode of the backlog breakdown. I'm one Hi. of your co-hosts, Nate. That's uh, my co-host, Josh. And we are joined by our friend, Eric, the judge, Brian. Hello. Um, so, you know, uh, and for the listeners, I guess uh, we're going to be talking about Alan Wake. I'm going to assume that mm-hmm. you are literate mm-hmm. and that uh, you read the the title <laughs> cue. Um, of course, I don't know. Sometimes we don't always use the, like, we just, we, sometimes we get a little creative with uh, the titling, but it's not true. this time. Not this time. I think I, I think uh, we're going to be talking about Alan Wake a little bit later on. Um, it was, uh, and and the reason Eric is joining us is because it was one of his patron picks, and uh, it's yeah. it was a good time. Um, so, but uh, I think you know, with all of that being said, with me flubbing the 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 opening bit like that, uh, mm-hmm. I think that. Uh, we should just move right along, and there are forms to be observed. So, ah, yes, the Josh, there, there are forms. forms yeah, you have some forms. Good. Yeah, um, it's a great form. Those, those are not the forms that we're going to observe. <laughs> uh, there's, there, these are not the forms you're looking for. <laughs> these are not the forms you're looking for in Night Springs. Uh, um, but there, there's a question that I like to sort of like just open us up with. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. Eric. Yeah. Uh, since it has been like a hot minute, um, mm. it's yeah. been an unscrewed amount of time since I talked to you. It's been what's good, man. Uh, it's been, uh, it has been a little bit since, uh, you've been on, uh, what, what's sort of been going on? What, what's, what's good in the hood, baby. I was, where was I on like late August? I think late August ish. It hasn't been that long. I don't know. In comparison uh, to your, like oh, your yeah. previous, Yes, it hasn't yeah. been that long, but it's been a while. So I was on and I realized, oh, we're supposed to do Alan Wake. I haven't played that in years, even though I've played it mm. several times. So I decided, all right, I got to I gotta replay that. And the, there's a remastered version that came out. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. going to play the remastered version. So the other thing I did is knowing that uh, you can really deep dive into it and – yeah. There are times where I like to deep dive, and this is one of them. So I said, I'm going to deep dive. I found a guy on YouTube who did a ton of work on the themes and references and connections and all kinds of stuff. So I started watching his videos. I started mm-hmm. playing Alan Wake Remastered. I had started Quantum Break, which is another Remedy game that's yeah. not really in – It's it's very lightly connected to Alan Wake. Yeah. And I had never finished. I had played a little bit of it and enjoyed it, but never finished it. So I thought, you know what? It's a different, I like the, if I, if the games are a little bit different and I'm not getting messed up on controls, I, I like to 
like supplement because I was only going to play Alan Wake at night. Um, okay. And I said, I need something to play With during the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I need something to play during the day. So I'll play Quantum Break during the day. So I played that and finished it. Um, I played Alan Wake Remastered. I played Alan Wake's American Nightmare, which was a okay. brief little arcade follow-up to the game, uh, which has a lot of stuff in it. Um, I wouldn't have thought that. And I never, I, I, that was another one that I had started and not finished. Um, <clears throat> and then I also, <laughs> since I know God of War Ragnarok is coming up and I haven't played, I only played God of War once um, and wanted to play it twice. So I've started that. I'm, I'm, sl- I'm toward the end, but I'm slowing down on that one to, because do a bunch of stuff I didn't do the first time I played it. So nice. I've been that, playing a that lot game of games. Too has the old gods of Asgard in it, doesn't it? <laughs> Not the band, but the, the actual dudes. Yeah, yeah. Odin and Tor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the actual gods of Asgard. Oh, oh my Josh! You, <laughs> you had to... I mean, there's a connection somewhere, right? I yeah, mean, that's good. I don't I don't like it. <laughs> No, I, I like no it. it's not good, Eric. That that was bad. It was poorly done. We got to do connections. Poor. Then, okay, so here, I mean, you, you're going to regret asking me this question. Then, um, because of the stuff I was watching, I uh, learned that one of the influences for Alan Wake is a book from 2000 called House of Leaves. Oh. <gasps> I have okay. heard of this book. Yes. I, I am aware of this book. I started reading it, and oh boy, is it different. Um, and I learned, I'll drop some knowledge on you here. Um, I learned that it's a genre of literature called ergodic literature, which I had <laughs> never heard of until this. And ergodic, it's E-R-G-O-D-I-C, and so it's it's – ergo like ergonomic so it's it means literature that requires the reader to actually do some of the work um and so what it means in this instance and this is the only one i've read and probably the only one i am going to read is oh it's it's really interesting um but you have it has it's a book that has appendices exhibits it's got footnotes. It's got footnotes of footnotes. Um, there are three layers to the story. Um, there's sort of three narrators and then also an editor on top of that. Um, hmm. And each narrator has a different font. Um, so it's it, that's helpful okay. in, in changing, you know, who's – who's doing what, but essentially it's, I'll just give you the, the quick and dirty as best I can. Um, the story is about a guy who, um, is looking, he's, he works in a tattoo parlor. He's not a, he's not a tattooist. He's just a, a helper and he's looking for an apartment and his friend has there's an old guy who was living in an apartment in his building who died. And so that apartment is 
available. This guy moves in and discovers that this old guy was writing a book about a documentary film called The Navidson House. And that documentary was about a family who moved into a house and discovered that there was it was a weird house. It moved and shifted. Uh, it okay. was bigger on the inside than the outside is how the description goes. Um, huh. And the guy, the dad, was a photographer, but he started making – when they discovered this weird thing about the house where – they they had a um a hallway. The first thing they discovered was there was this hallway that went on the inside. It went beyond where the walls on the outside were, and they were like, "Wait, what?" And at first, it was just you know fractions of inches, but then eventually it opens up, and it's basically so. If if you've played Control, it's probably the inspiration for the oldest house in control mm -hmm. because it mm -hmm. it moves and shifts and the story and so there's three stories there's the story of the family um and the documentary film that was made that tells their story then there's this old guy who's now dead who was writing a comprehensive book on it then there's the young guy who moved into the apartment who's discovering and sort of trying to finish the book for the guy. So, mm -hmm. so there's three narrators. There's a story there. It's told very out. It's not linear at all. So it's yeah. a lot of, it's a lot of work to keep everything separate. It's not for everybody. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. Um, it also has what I would consider X-rated sex scenes mm. in it. Um, they're pretty easy to see coming, so you can skip them pretty easy. But uh, I don't know why they're in there. I think there might be a point yeah. being made that I haven't got to yet because it's the young guy who's like, I guess he just has sex with every girl he meets. Um, and it's described. It's like a Stephen King, you know, main character. <laughs> I and it's just like, dude, but he's being taken over by the darkness, which is implied that's what happened to the old guy who died too. And so, and then, so it's sort of, this thing is coming through all of this stuff and they get obsessed with this thing, but it's also the other part of the book is you can tell it's satirical about academics and how they critique literature or film or anything because there's just ridiculous okay. things like there's i told somebody this last week but now i've there's been two more footnotes there's a footnote about something about photography and then in the footnote it says yeah and it's like these photographers and then it lists like 250 photographers it goes on for two and a half pages it's this one footnote <laughs> and it's like what i'm like this has to be satirical and then every yeah. once in a while there's a tiny little parenthetical it's not much but i mean it looks legit but it's way over the top it's so ridiculous and then there's a bunch of footnotes yeah. that are just ridiculous types of footnotes you would see in academic type literature which 
I read some of that a little bit every once in a while, so I sort of recognize that. Um, but it's it's apparently everyone and their mother has written dissertations on this documentary film and, and they all have their takes mm. and they're doing like, you know, psychological breakdowns of all the characters. And it's just, it's, there's a lot of ridiculous stuff, but there's a story in there that's interesting and is apparently inspirational for Alan Wake. And the, the way I heard about it was there's a song at the end of episode two um, by a, a band called Poe and the song is called okay. Haunted and it references House of Leaves in that song and it turns out that I don't know if her name is Poe the lead singer for the band who I guess goes by Poe she is the sister of the author of the House of Leaves ah. so that's the connection um and then it's there, there's a line in there about a house of leaves. Um, that's also one of my favorite songs um, in mm -hmm. Alan Wake. Uh, but anyway, so I started reading that. I'm I'm over halfway done with it, but it's it's a yeah. lot of work, and you have to sort of be. And parts of it are like there's a whole chapter on echoes, and it's all this physics and science stuff that I can't <laughs> follow. Mm. Um, and it's just weird. I mean, there's echoes in the book because there, there's like this big, they go down in there and there's this big, huge cavern and they echo, they do echoes with it. And then there's this chapter yeah. just about echoes and their scientific and physical characteristics and formulas mm -hmm. for determining <laughs> It's just, yeah. it's so weird. Um, anyway, I am in, I'm enjoying it for the most part, but I can't just indiscriminately recommend it. Uh, it's only for for certain type of adventurous <laughs> maybe readers because it does require yeah. you to work. I mean, following the footnotes. Sometimes there's footnotes and footnotes and footnotes. <laughs> you have to, and then other times it makes you turn the book while you're reading. Like there's a spiral staircase in one of the parts, and then okay. and the text starts to turn as if you're going down the spiral staircase. Um, so it's stuff hmm. like that, and it's not that gimmicky. I mean, it actually it's it's not overused, so that's good. Okay, I'm not finding it gimmicky in that way. Um, and then there's another part where, where it's backwards and you normally you would need to hold it up to a mirror to read it, but yeah. I, can, I can read backwards pretty good. I've discovered oh, that. Nice. Um, and so I just, I didn't do a mirror thing, but anyway, I never heard of this ergodic literature, but it's a thing. It's a, a fairly recent type. There are other books that people have told me about in that genre. Hmm. I'm not going to read them. Cause well, <laughs> based on based on your description and the fact that this sort of like like this is not the first time I've heard House of Leaves sort of come up. Mm -hmm. uh, I've I've heard it referenced fairly recently on a few podcasts I listened to, and oh, wow. I actually was having a conversation um, with a couple guys from work probably about six months ago, and House of Leaves came up, and I was like, okay, like so now you have just like you forced my hand, Eric, and I, I pulled the trigger. <laughs> And now oh. I have to I have to throw myself down the rabbit hole for a little bit. 
There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. I, I just after after that whole description, I just don't get how a story about you know a weird house and uh, a dark being and people being obsessed about this dark being taking over people. I I don't get how that has anything to do with the games that we're going to be talking about today. But okay, I mean that's a cool book yeah. and all. Yeah. Josh, <laughs> I I don't understand. Oh man, but. <laughs> Well, I, I think, you know, and Eric was just sort of like just rolling right into his, uh, a little bit of a backlog report kind of thing. So oh, yeah. why don't why don't That's we right. just do that then? All right. And since, you know, Josh, why don't you kind of just get right into it? What have you been playing at, sir? What uh, are you what playing have I been at? Playing at? Uh, <laughs> just, you know, just just the usual. Just usual on the elliptical. <laughs> um, no, but uh, Valkyria Chronicles on Switch. Been been playing that some more, and and kind of the same where I've been at. There's a little bit more customization options, which has been fun. I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah. So there's that, and then finishing up Alan Wake, mm-hmm. and that has been quite a trip. And we'll be talking about that a little bit more. So really, I don't have too much to report on outside of the fact that beating Alan Wake. I did also finally pick up another game. Um, there's a there was a Capcom sale on the 3DS shop, and I picked up a. Uh, it was a spinoff of of the. Oh my gosh! Why can't I think? Of, Ace Attorney. Ace Attorney. Um, Apollo Justice was okay. five bucks. So that's one that I didn't have, and it's five bucks. And you know, you just just throw your your coins in the coffer for the 3DS shop that's about to be whisked away into nothing. So. I did go ahead. I, I checked eBay too, and it goes for like bare minimum of like 25. So I'm like, yeah, I can do five bucks. Let's do it. So I'll pay $5. <laughs> I'll buy that for $5. I'll buy that for $5. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, th- th- but that's really all that I've been playing. Um, in terms of reading, man, I've been editing an audiobook. So I've been listening to that a lot. And then the, the thing that I've been, uh, I, I found the Audible. Not originals, but the ones that they let you just kind of listen to for free if you have a subscription. And so I found a bunch of stuff on there, or I've, I've at least added a bunch of stuff on there. And the one that I've been listening to just because it's that time of the year um, is uh, one of the great courses on horror and different like types of horror. Okay. And what, um, yeah, literarily, uh, you know, literary genres or, or, or different stories within horror and, and how other stories have kind of built upon other tropes and and what it kind of points towards you know since horror is kind of the expression of our fears and kind of an exaggerated version of our fear so what is really behind this sense of horror you know like what's driving um like why is this even scary at all so that's been fun to listen to it's not really reading it's not really a book you know it's more of a presentation but i guess i just associate that with audiobooks nowadays uh, since it's on audible um and then watching I did watch a movie with my wife over the course of two nights because it was a very long movie. If you've watched any Bollywood, you know that they do very long movies. I watched a movie that just came out this year. It's on Netflix. I would highly recommend it. It's called RRRR. Yes. I've started it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, so Bollywood is a very special kind of, of cinema. It is not it. And this is an over the top action movie. Um, but it has like real heart to it. But if if you've ever watched a Bollywood movie, uh, and I've only watched a few, so I don't I don't know that much about it. But they've generally been in this action 
genre action adventure what were you gonna say nate i was gonna say it reminds me of like a live action anime yes yes it is it is very much that because it's very like based on the emotions people will do over the top things and it's just kind of you just roll with it so throughout the course of this three hour movie i think there are three song and dance numbers that happen in the middle of this action movie. Um, and it's just, it is just like, you're not supposed to be like, what the heck is happening? Like, it's just normal. That's just what happens in Bollywood is they will bust out into song. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have like a, a big love interest in the movie. So it's not that, cause I've seen those Bollywood movies where, you know, the guy sees the girl and then all of a sudden they bust out, they do this dance number, which is really funny. Um, so it's a very special kind of cinema. If you've, if you've never seen Bollywood, you're going to be weirded out by some stuff that's just way over the top. But I think at its heart, it, it tells a good story. It's got a good plot and it really has, it, it has heart, uh, between the two main characters. There's, um, so that, it's really fun. That scene like off the bridge towards the beginning. Yes. Yes. It's so I just was top. like, Oh my gosh. I was like, I'm in boys. I'm yeah. In. I've watched like, it's like one of those things I've I actually maybe tomorrow on my day off, I'm doing some housework. Mm-hmm. I like sort of like just sit down and sort of chew on it. Cause it's, uh, it's, yeah. It's good. It's, it, yeah. I would, I would recommend it. Just know if you've never seen Bollywood, you're in for, Oh, it's for so like, yeah, it's, well, it's like live action anime. Yep. Yeah. But RRR is RRR is, yeah. is, uh, I think it's Rise, Roar, Revolt is what like it stands that. for, but I could I could be wrong. Um, yeah, apparently the the director of it, so it just came out this year. Apparently it's the highest grossing Indian movie ever made. Um, and this director, he he's made like 12 movies, S.S. Rajamuli. And uh, I think three out of the last five movies that he's made are in, no, 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 three of his movies are in the top five grossing highest grossing indian movies of all time so he is like the top he's this, like the spielberg there's this this movie cinema. too though stateside there's a lot of buzz and like yeah. like yeah. a lot of people in like film circles are talking about it so yeah. it's so. yeah it's a good time it's a good time but that's that's all i have to report on yeah no that's pretty cool um man now i'm yeah, I think tomorrow, while I'm sort of like uh, bumming around the house, I'm going to watch that. I'd, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, dude, I, I was just like, I was time. like, I was like an hour into it and I had something to do. And then it just like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like I walked away and forgot to come back to it. Um, but yeah, that was, it was, I'm going to restart that. There were, there were some really, like, even in that first hour, there's some really interesting set. Pe- like, dude, that, that, like, where <laughs> the one dude is, like, just, like, running through that mob, at, like, chase like, right towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's just, like, I was, like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's, yeah that, that mob, it's, like, people packed together. And he's just, like, running through, beating people with a stick. <laughs> well, and then, like, there are a couple times they close in on him. And he just, like, he's, like, ends up, like, just, like, thrashing like 20 dudes i was like <laughs> this is ridiculous yeah yeah and i love it um it is very much like yeah live action anime kind of vibes um yeah uh as far as my media intake uh, since the last time we re- re- we recorded i haven't been watching a whole lot of anything haven't i did watch the second episode of chainsaw man um that's, okay it's weird anime 
I mean, I don't know. It's it's about a dude who turns into a a guy that has a chainsaw for head and hands and uh kills demons. Uh so I don't know. Does he need gas or oil? Uh no, but when the when he transforms, mm-hmm. apparently like the the chainsaws cut him so he loses blood and he gets oh. really tired afterwards. Um yeah. He's yeah, he's kind of he's that's- I don't know. It's he's a very different main character than anything else I've ever seen because he's like a total kind of loser. Um, gotcha. There's this like th- they just partner. They just put him in this one guy's sort of squad or platoon or whatever, and the guy's like at one point in time like his his sort of like commanding officer like his superior is like, didn't you go to school? And the guy's like, no. Because he's just basically like a home. He was like a homeless dude, you know, huh. <laughs> and okay. like, you know, he was just a kid who like didn't go to school, didn't finish school, who just like entire life was like consumed with sort of like paying back this debt that his father owned. So he's just like, mm. he has like no social skills, like, you know, gotcha. yeah, that's it, gotta be hard when your face is a chainsaw. Well, <laughs> I, he can turn into a normal dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah. then he has like a pull cord in his chest and he can like yank that and turn it and change uh, it. Of course. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's, it's anime. Does, it's like doesn't... a Woody, the, you know, the cowboy. Yeah. yeah only he's, it's like murder Woody. Yeah. Did you guys, <laughs> either of you guys see that movie Guns Akimbo? No, I know, I know what it. you're talking about. It's Very stylish related. movie, right? Uh, <laughs> Is that sarcasm? Uh, yeah. No, no, I thought I thought it it's had like a very distinct style. Harry Potter. It's the guy that plays Harry Potter has guns oh. uh, bolted to his bolted hand. to his hands. Yeah, because he is a game developer who who does all these shooters, and so they're trying to make a point like too much violence. But it's actually <laughs> pretty good. I mean. It's not the greatest, but I actually kind of liked it. Thought it was going to be pretty stupid, but anyway, it, that's what you reminded me. Chainsaw Man. <laughs> hey, dude. It reminded me yeah. of that. He's got these guns bolted to his hands, Gun and hang, they, they fire when he doesn't want them to. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember that one. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe is sort of like, yeah. Post Daniel Radcliffe post Harry Potter is sort of an interesting cat. Um, yeah, he's been yeah. in some interesting things but as far as other stuff goes um i finally so uh a while ago when patrick miller came on he was talking about gene wolf he we were talking about the uh it's i think the torturer's apprentice um and that whole series like the series of the new earth and book of the um, new sun or the new sun that's what it is Yeah. yeah dude uh so i i kind of I had a bunch of Gene Wolfe in my Audible library that I hadn't listened to yet. Um, and so there was one, and the first book is called The Knight, and the second is called The Wizard. Uh, okay. And what I'm going to say is that I liked it a lot. Um, okay. It's kind of fantasy done. The The basic premise is that this boy sort of gets whisked into this other world um 
And this world is sort of reminiscent of Arthurian legend, but it's also got like a sort of a Viking twist to it kind of thing going on. Um, so it's like all the things that I like this time of year where it's Vikings and then swords and sorcery and magic and stuff. But it, it's a it's a duology and it's The Knight and the Wizard by Gene Wolfe. And I like it a whole lot. To say like if you like swords and sorcery and you kind of like weird stuff, so basically the the format of the book is this boy is writing a letter to his brother um and he's sort of recounting his time in this other land um and that's the entire sort of thing like the 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 entire sort of motif of it or like is just like he's basically saying like hey these are all the things that happened to me and it's just like he's he's just got a very consistent sort of style and it's just like it's it's absolutely bonkers at times and I love it. Um, it's a, it's a lot of, I, I don't know if fun is the right word, but I enjoyed it. Um, cause it's, yeah, that's on my list from you talking about that. You've been, you've talked about that before and I'm like, uh-huh. I, I've never, I knew about those books, but never read them. I would actually, Eric, I would recommend the night and the wizard first. And if you like those, then go to like the, tor- the, the, the books of the new sun. Um, okay. The the books in the new, like the Torturer's Apprentice and all that like it's those ones are a little more obtuse they're like a little harder to follow like you have to do a lot more work in sort of keeping pace with the the narr with with the narration um, yeah or the I, I don't know if Eric is into doing work while reading books <laughs> no he just I mean I bought a book that he told me was going to be work so he better he better be into working while he reads um, but. It's, I, I think like the knight and the wizard are a little more approachable, but it's got some of that like same charm. Um, and if you like those, then, and you're like, oh, like, but I need him to get like a lot weirder. Um, yeah. Then the torturer's apprentice is like a great place to start. Um, but I really like those really like those. I whole bunch kind of the more I sort of dig into, uh, his his library or his you know his work the more like i i really appreciate gene wolf um but as far as games go it's pretty much just been uh destiny 2 and alan wake and i played alan wake the remastered version and i will score it out because it like i've played alan wake before and we, we sort of had a conversation about this but uh, the only way I'm going to score it out after I've beaten the additional episodes, and I haven't done that um, because the okay. remaster version comes with two episodes of like epilogue style content. It was DLC, uh, yeah. Well, oh, is that what it, it was? It's the Alan Wake DLC. Yeah. So it's it's uh, the it, is the second and the writer. Okay. Okay, I never played either one of those. I was really like, I really like to play American Nightmare too, but um, that's a there's an American Nightmare too. Stop as well. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you about those when we get into it. Um, if you like the lore, there's a mm-hmm. ton of it in the DLC and American Nightmare. There's a lot of exposition. In fact, American Nightmare sort of explains the whole game, hmm. the while and wait game. Okay. Well, I'm, and that might be something where I just like watch some content on it since. Yeah. Um, 
But that's really all I've played, and because there's been no real change to my beatdown score, I'm still sitting at negative five. Well, there there have been changes, but I haven't. I need to sit down and sort of like get everything sort of caught up. Uh, I've after talking with John, I've sort of resolved how we're going to sort of score out all of the Destiny Two DLC and stuff, and um, so yeah. So there's going to be some some movement, and I actually I did pick up. Uh, I was listening to uh, an episode of the Game Maker's Notebook um, from the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, um, mm-hmm. and they were talking to I want to say Sam Barlow or Barlow. Uh, he most recently Immortality on uh, it's on uh, Game Pass and PC I think right now, or it might just be like Game Pass. Um, but it's also like uh, he also did uh, her story and uh, okay telling lies. He's sort of like one of those indie dudes. Uh, he's he's got a pretty decent pedigree. But I picked up her story um, okay. because it's basically like sort of a procedural crime drama. But it's all from like the investigative side of things. And I was like, oh. mm-hmm. it's like four bucks on my phone. I haven't played it yet, but I do want to sit down and sort of rip through that because I'm like, this sounds really compelling. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's more of like, and if I like this, I might keep an eye out for like some of his other stuff eventually. But um, her story was written by a dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. What a misogynist. Um, <laughs> He's just the worst. Um, but like I said, until I've tabulated everything, I'm not going to post any updates. I need to sit down and sort of like get everything sort of caught up. But uh, like I said, that for for the time being, my score still stands at negative five. And speaking of the backlog beatdown, we might as well roll into it. It's time for the plugs, the obligatory, mandatory, happy fun time plugs. Don't do it. Joshua, I see you eyeballing your keyboard. Um, but speaking of the beatdown, uh, GG is the official app of the Backlog Beatdown, the meta that we run every year. And if you're not aware of what GG is, it's a it's a, a letterbox style app developed by our friend Charles Watson for basically keeping track of your game's collection. And he's constantly adding new features. Uh, you can create custom lists. You can rate and review games. You can populate a feed and see what your friends are playing. There's a ton of like stuff that he's sort of, like I said, always kind of tweaking and building. The, the, the difference is from the very beginning of that app to where it is now, it's like massive um, in the last several years, just like the changes. Mm-hmm. And... You know, if you're interested in sort of supporting that or taking a look at it, you can download it for free for most of the app stores. Uh, you can check there's a there's a, a free web page, but you can also sort of subscribe to his premium service, and I think they call it the Elite Service, and it's five bucks a month or fifty bucks for the year. And if you're a member of his Elite tier, uh, you get early access to some of the builds, you get a little more access to him through the Discord server, and you get a unique role in his Discord server. Um, so, but like I said, we like that app. We like Charles. We like, uh, and we really want to sort of encourage people to check that out. And other things that we like, uh, we like money. Money, money, money. <laughs> uh, um, but for real, um, we hope that you like our podcast. And uh, we would encourage you, if you do enjoy our podcast, to rate and review it, uh, to share it with your friends, and uh, you know, do those things. And if you're looking for a way to maybe go a little bit of a, above and beyond, we have a Patreon, right? 
uh, patrons, and for as little as a buck a month, right? You can get early access to each and every episode. Usually there's video content that sort of accompanies all of those. Uh, there's a patron only podcast called The Bro Hang. Um, and as a patron, you have, in addition to having a unique role in our Discord, you actually uh, get a little bit more access to us. And, and our patrons um, can nominate either a game for us to play or a, uh, a topic for us to discuss. And, you know, We've done a few patron episodes already this year, uh, including Dragon Quest XI, Mother 3. We're going to be doing Baldur's Gate uh, 2 later on this year. And tonight we're going to be talking about Alan Wake. And so, you know, just like those are some of the perks. Lastly, we are members of the Playwell Network alongside Mr. West, the Henshin Dad himself, and the artist currently known as the Techno Funk Boy, our friend Paul Lytle. Uh, we like what those guys do. Uh, Wes has the Henshin Dad podcast. He's got uh, Retronym. Um, and he's he's sort of like, you know, he's he's in the process of sort of, he's getting back on his feet there. And so we really want to encourage you to check out his stuff. And then Paul uh, has a number of podcasts. Um, he's got the, the, the Retro Station, which, uh, you know, I, I don't know that he's done anything with it in a while. But he's got, like I said, he has a ton of stuff, and we'd really encourage you to check out all of their content. Um, well, at least most of it. I don't know if I can sort of like give a rubber stamp approval to every bit of content they've ever <laughs> produced. But we like those guys. We like what they do. And we really think that you guys would enjoy it as well. All that being said, here's a word from one of them. <clears throat> Excuse me, may I have a moment of your time to talk about the wonder and beauty of tokusatsu? See, tokusatsu is a Japanese word for special effects and usually refers to the super fun TV shows you watched as a kid with those heroes wearing spandex and those giant rubber monsters with cool explosions and awesome transformations. <sighs> so cool. I happen to be a big fan of it and run a podcast about the entire genre. So if you could just, like, I don't know, subscribe and, and take a listen to my episodes, I greatly appreciate it. It's called Henshin Dad Podcast, and it's it's kind of awesome, or at least my, my mom thinks so, but she still hasn't reviewed it on iTunes yet. So. But anyway, thanks for your time. Just just check it out, the Henshin Dad Podcast. It's on Anchor, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, Okay, okay bye! And... We're back. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about Alan Wake and Alan Wake Remastered. Uh, you know, and just sort of like, you know, kind of ripping this right off the Wikipedia page. Alan Wake is an action-adventure game developed by Remedy Entertainment. The story follows best-selling thriller novelist Alan Wake as he tries to uncover the mystery behind his wife's disappearance during a vacation in the small fictional town of Bright Falls, Washington. All while experiencing events from the plot in his latest novel, which he cannot remember writing, coming to life uh it was pub or developed by remedy entertainment published uh for uh the xbox 360 by microsoft game studios uh remedy entertainment published it on pc and then epic games published it uh the remastered version uh primarily one of the big names on this is sort of sam lake uh which is uh it's a pseudonym uh mm -hmm. his actual name is I'm I'm going to probably butcher it, and so I apologize. <laughs> but it's it's Sami Ontero Jarvi, um, and but he's a Finnish. No, it's, it's not Samuel Ocean. It's not Samuel Ocean. Um, he's, or, he's, not, he's not a lake. He's he's not a lake. Um, 
but uh, for the longest time, this is one of those games that was sort of stranded on the Xbox 360, uh, you know, hence being the original publisher was Microsoft. Mm-hmm. But in the last couple of years, like I said, it was also released on Windows, but it's also available on the PlayStation 4, 5, the Xbox uh, One, the Xbox Series S and X, and apparently the Nintendo Switch. That's ridiculous. Yeah, um, I heard it doesn't run so well. but Does uh, not run so great. No one I, played it on that, so we don't have to talk about I'm it. not surprised by that. Um, no. But, uh, you know, when it was originally published in uh, for the 360, it was released in America here uh, May of 2010 uh, for Windows um, uh, February of 2012. And then the remastered version uh, came out for again for windows ps4 ps5 xbox one xbox series x and s october 5th 2021 so it came out last year the remastered version and then oh that's fairly the nintendo switch is fairly recent like this yeah. october like yes. last week like last week mm-hmm. yeah oh wow that is <laughs> and it's uh, just been like pummeled good like, yeah don't don't get that version this <laughs> is what i've heard almost universally dustin Dustin from uh, Last Damn Media is often, or Sacred Symbols is often referred to the Switch as the stinky Switch. And uh, I think I, I would agree with it. Like, there, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, there's some ports of games that make it onto the Switch, and they're just, it's like, this is Witch Magic. I don't know how these people are doing this and getting this performance. Um, but for the most part, um, which, anyway, you know it's what? It's like they, they were so busy seeing if they can. If they should, exactly. I like it. Exactly. That's a little bit of a callback. If you guys, uh, you know, um, if if you're a patron, you you will heard me butcher that reference. Um, But it's sort of a third person action adventure, not maybe survival horror ish kind of game. Um, I don't really know. I want to ask you guys about. Oh, okay. 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 But um yeah, I mean that's sort of the 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 back of the baseball card. Uh briefly, we do like sort of talk a little bit of context and baggage. And so before we sort of get into the real meat and potatoes of this, um I'll just sort of share mine. I played Alan Wake on the 360 and this is like one of those games that really got me into the horror genre as a general rule. Oh. It was like this Resident Evil 4 and Dead Space. Like all three of those yeah. games sort of hit like and just like now they sort of in within a two or three year window i played all three of them and i was like oh no i like these games a lot and they're all, and then they're all very different you know like dead space is just like straight yeah. up like like psychic assault almost <laughs> um yeah. yeah it's just like it's like terror incarnate um oh, but then Resident Evil 4 is a little campier. Like, Resident Evil 4 is just, like, its own thing. Oh, man. You know, one of these days, Josh, we actually do need to just, like, go back, replay it again, mm-hmm. or just talk, like, record an actual episode about it. Because, but, uh, but what would we play it on? It's not, you know, it's I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost releases. like it's, if it's getting remade or something, maybe yeah. we'd have to do that. I don't know. If um, I can play it on my fridge, I might play it again, but I don't know. <laughs> 
outside of that. I don't know, dude. That 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 remake that just was announced looks pretty interesting. That and the Silent Hill two remake. But the Silent Hill yeah. two remake, I'm like, I have no desire to go back to that world in any way, shape, or form. I have. Uh, I, don't I think you can, <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about that's here. We're, talking we're, about. Um, you're talking about this got you into horror games. I love this game. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it was like one of those things like mechanically, I just, I thought it was really compelling. And at the time, like, it's like one of those things I played it, I beat it. I think I played through it a couple of times. I might've done like sort of like, cause I played it on the 360, obviously. And I think I had probably made a run at sort of doing like the hundred percent completion, like getting all thousand gamer points. But um, that's a lot of coffee. That's a lot of coffee. Um, that's a lot of a lot of you know film noir kind of vibes. Um, oh, but dear. but yeah, I just I I and it was like one of those things that just sort of like sort of held like an unassailable spot in my sort of like nostalgia data banks where I was like, this is like one of my favorite things of all time. And then coming back to the remastered version of it and, and, you know, like I, I, I sort of disclosed to you, Josh, last episode that there's a part of me that wishes they would have just like done, like instead of just a remaster, like a, a full remake of this thing from the ground up in the control engine with like updated visuals and updated controls. But I was still glad to play this game and what mm-hmm. I did. And it's like, I really did. I really did enjoy, like I actually, and just full disclosure, I started on normal and then I just like, I didn't like the, the mechanically it's not the most satisfying game. Mm-hmm. And so it's fine. Um, but I was just like, ah, I don't really, I don't really want to have to fight with the game to get through it. Um, okay. So I just, you, you know, I went down uh, and after getting through the second episode, I just started playing on normal or easy, um, yeah. which still offered enough challenge where that like I would occasionally like hit a, hit the fail state and sort of. But yeah, I in in a lot of ways, what in sort of like my sort of like spoiler free kind of analysis of this, the game still has a lot of heart and still kind of stands up. But it is dated. There are some parts of it that are going to be a little like difficult to get back into. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's like, this is kind of like a should play with caveats. Like if you haven't played this before, I think you really ought to like check it out. Um, But go in knowing that it's like, it's basically, it's very much a product of its time. It's not a bad game by any stretch of the imagination, but if you go to if you come at it like expect with, with the expectation of like modern sensibilities, you're not going to get this. This is very much an era of of a very particular area of video games. And while I have a lot of fondness for it, and I, I do think it still holds up, but it's not like game gaming in general has sort of evolved beyond that. But Eric, yeah. um, you as as sort of the the patron. You know, why don't you give us a little bit of context with this, and then Josh, you know, we'll sort of pick your brain for a second and sort of see, get some of your your context and spoiler free sort of analysis. Okay, yeah, I have a lot of overlap with you. I'm an OG okay. Alan Wake guy. I remember seeing it announced at an E3, something like 2005, 2006. I'm bad with years, okay. and I was like. 
ooh, that looks really cool. Um, then it went into, there's an interesting, I'll just give a really brief, there's an interesting development history to it. It went, it was delayed forever. I mean, hmm. years went by and I'm like, where was that game? Um, then suddenly it showed up at another E3 and they had a, uh, a ga- I, I don't know if it was gameplay or something. And I was like, wow, this looks, I think it had gameplay in it. And I thought this looks fantastic. I, I am going to get this. So I got the, I'm holding it up for you guys. I got the collector's edition, which I'm really glad I did. It comes in this case that looks like a big Stephen King book. Yes, of course. Yeah. And you open it up and it's got, of course, I got Alan Wake's autograph. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then it's got three things in it. Uh, one's the game disc. Uh, another is two extra discs. One's the soundtrack. And one nice. is commentary by Sam Lake, which I, to my okay. shame, have never listened to. And I think oh. you can turn that on in the remastered version. Mm-hmm. Um, and have that. I turned it on for like five minutes and then I was like, uh, not right now. Okay. What is, does he talk over the game is I've never done that. Although I'm Mm going to do this. Does he talk over the game or how does that work? Well, like I said, I turned it on for like five minutes and the, the bit that I was playing, he was talking while I was playing the game and I was like, okay, Okay. like, no, thanks. Like I'll move on. So you got to have, it's one of those where you want to have played it for like, I would, do this like if I've played it three times and really knew the game so that I I don't have to follow anything that's going on and I can listen to the commentary. Okay, the cool thing, the coolest thing I think in the collector's edition that came with it is this book called The Alan Wake Files. Wow. Compiled by Clay Stewart. Now, I'll be really surprised if you guys know who Clay Stewart is. No. He's mm-hmm. in the game. No, he's in the game. Okay. But he's barely in the game. Okay, so in the in the tutorial part, which is a, a dream that Alan Wake has at the end, you know, and he's running from the dark presence, at the end there's the guy that says, Come on, come on, get into the cabin and then Alan Wake goes okay. in the cabin and then the guy has an untimely end. That's Clay Stewart. Yes. Okay. He's a character and this little book is, is is really cool. So let me just describe it real quick. It's a compilation of different types of – there's transcripts of interviews. There's uh, the FBI guy Nightingale's notes. Um, let me okay. just read that. I think this is really cool because they do a little description on the – on the dust cover it says a brave and deeply disturbing account of one man's attempt to confront the visions that haunted him clay stewart's gripping journey takes him to a small town in the pacific northwest where he follows in the tracks of best-selling author alan wake and renegade fbi agent robert nightingale there he travels ever deeper into the woods and ever farther into the heart of darkness to unravel a series of mysterious events that reach hundreds of years into the past and chillingly into the present. And then they have like a, <laughs> a photo of him and a little description of him. But it's really like makes you think that this is a real thing. And mm-hmm. you know, that's reminiscent of that House of Leaves stuff. Um, 
so what's in here is is some cool stuff. Uh, I'll just really briefly tell you one of the best things in here is the first short story that Alan Wake got published in uh -huh. a uh, magazine. It's called Errand Boy, and it's really good. I really like that short story. Hmm. Um, I, probably Sam Lake wrote it. He He's the guy behind the whole story. Um, there were other writers, though, that, that did a lot of the writing, too. So he, he he's the guy with the story. But anyway, this is basically Clay Stewart is a guy who Alan started showing up in his dreams. And so he became interested in who, why is this guy in my dreams? What's yeah. going on? And that dream that's the opening of the game is the dream that Clay Stewart keeps having. And it has different endings in, in his thing. Sometimes he doesn't die. Sometimes Alan doesn't make it, those kinds of things. But he, hmm he got so interested in it that he went to bright falls to investigate it. Um, hmm. and he found in the motel room that Nightingale was staying in, he found a hidden, like he had put stuff up in the vent. And so he found his notes. Um, and then he just, and then he found, he interviewed different people like the radio guy, Barry Wheeler. Oh, yeah. Sheriff Rose. Um, then he also found some of the pages of the manuscript, and those are in here. Then there's Alan Wake's early writings, and then a, a chapter from his uh, from one of his Alex Casey books, and and so there's a, a lot of cool stuff in there um, that connects and and makes fuller this whole the whole backstory of alan wake mm -hmm. um so i and i got when i got the game back then i i absolutely loved it. this has always been one of my top five games of all time oh, wow um, not and again and just to be clear not saying that objectively it's one of the best games ever made for me it's right. one of my personal top five games of all time just yeah. because of all of the i didn't realize you know it just looked cool and i played it and the story for me is the central thing which is why i think it's yeah. fine to play it on easy if you just want to focus mm -hmm. on the story and it does it, i consider this a slow game it's like a game you play slowly because you got to okay you pick up the pages and you got to read you know they read he reads them it's not something that you're going to rush through and get a lot out of. Although the combat, it's not bad. It's 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 kind of cool, especially the the light and dark mechanic. Um, yeah, conceptually, mechanically, it's. And I remember when I played it the first time, I was in love with that mechanic, and I still actually yeah. really enjoyed it this time um, because it does yeah, sort of something about shining that light and mm -hmm. then. It, the darkness goes away and then I just didn't appreciate how like especially like when you're in the woods or in your sort of those open sequences and like you're like constantly looking behind like I was like constantly looking behind yeah. me and then it's like the one time I don't look behind me or it's like I just look behind me and all of a sudden there's been nobody there for the like last five minutes yeah. and then it's like or you know it's like three seconds boop oh do with an X like just yeah 
yeah, popping I hate me in the head. Him behind me. Yeah. So I just run to a corner of <laughs> of the what? map and just so I know nobody can come behind me. Nice, nice. So that's what Alan is also really out of shape because he can run for like. Well, that's one of the things, five right? Seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's realistic. I mean, this guy. He is obviously not doing the elliptical like Josh does. Because, uh, yeah, he runs out of gas really quickly. And you're just like, dang it, dude. He'll pop in booze hound author, you know. Uh, yeah, he's like, runs for five <laughs> seconds and he's like. And he's exhausted. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that Your wife's makes, life I, is on the line. Come on, <laughs> but I think that's kind of cool. It's different. I mean, you it know, is. Yeah, yeah. There, there's other it, games where you really need to just run forever because, like, they're, the the places are so big or whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't want to mess around with real time, you know, travel. Um, yeah, this one it makes it scarier because you have to right. think right. more tactically about uh what you're doing but uh so i fell in love with it um i did some of a deep dive on it i've played it a couple times over the years i replayed it um like i said i started american nightmare but never i never really played it much um then when control came out and then i saw this alan wake dlc for control and, and I really and I dove into control big mm. time and could see there's something going on here um, because I think the typewriter is uh, uh, an alter whatever they call it alter objective uh, power objective Oop. power um, one of the oops and then when the the AWE DLC came out I was like oh yeah this is great and then they also they're going to make Alan Wake 2 so I'm glad of that cuz there's more story here mm-hmm, actually sure. a whole a whole universe that they built but so yeah and I did a much deeper dive this time um, than I had before cuz uh, all the stuff that I just talked about earlier was there I just didn't know it until this last month so yeah yeah, nice. I I think that's one of those things that in in the the era of the like the internet, like there's there's a lot more to sort of like actually like dig around. Like it's not to say that it wasn't there, but like it's so much more at our fingertips now. So, but Josh, um yeah. how about you man? Like what kind of context baggage did you bring to this or like, you know, so um in in stark contrast to you two guys I had never played this game. <laughs> it was on my uh games of shame like games that I knew were very highly thought of and um I had gotten I, I don't know if I actually spent any money on it or if it was like it, if it was like free on Steam or something at one point but I had had it on PC for a while. Um and I knew like I wanted to get around to it and I had actually been popping up a lot lately. Um, maybe it's because of the remaster, but I've heard it from from different places of people recommending this game. So I'm very thankful that that Eric, you chose this game to play this year because it finally was able to sit down and play it. Um, so I, I didn't have any context really, except that I knew it was a good game. It seemed like a, a horror game, you know, it was pretty dark. And um, the only other Remedy game that I had played was Control, and that was just last year. So 
Uh, not too much in terms of, I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, in terms of analysis, you know, well, we, we've talked about mechanics already and I, and I agree with you, what you said earlier, Eric, you know, I'm, I'm saying, you know, he can't run very well, but I do think that just adds to the feel, the tension in the game. Um, yes, it's clunky, but like, that's kind of the point is that you're, you're not supposed to feel empowered, (laughs) like you're disempowered. Um, and as the game goes on, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's not one of those games where, the protagonist is the most likable character in the game either. You know, yeah. there's, there's some yeah. flaws there too. So not, not to get into a lot there, but, but I think, um, I think it was, I think it's effective in what it's trying to do. I know I sound like a broken record, but I have a lot of similar feelings to like Hellblade in that I think the mechanics are passable and in total it's, it's, I think maybe if I played it when it first came out, I would have enjoyed the mechanics more because I, uh, you know, I played Control where I think that's a bit more polished in terms of mechanics. It was more fun to play than this one was, but it's good. Like it's fine. I'm not saying it's it's bad. It's yes, yeah, just a product of its time. Whereas you know, Hellblade came out just a few years ago. This one was you know what 12 years old at this point right 2010. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah I, I don't mean that as a negative at all. It's like, it is what it is. Um, so I enjoyed it. it again, similar to Hellblade. It didn't end up being what I thought it was going to be. So it, it felt more horror towards the beginning of the game. And then it turned into something else. And I don't want to go there until we get to spoilers. Um, but I did enjoy it. And yeah, it gets really deep. And I enjoy that stuff too. If you've heard my um, bite-sized episode on Bloodborne, you know I can go deep with things that I enjoy. So um, I like that nerdiness. A lot of things are really well thought out while I think there are also some plot holes that I say plot holes, really it's just stuff they haven't explained Maybe they'll explain it later because they're continuing this path. So we'll, we'll see. And I'm glad that you you brought it up <clears throat> that you mentioned that, that on its surface, it does sort of present itself as like sort of a horror survival type game. Mm-hmm. And then it does, it's, it's not even like a quick pivot, but just like as you play, it's like, oh no, this is not what it, like I actually... Going back through it this time, I was actually really pleasantly surprised with like the subversion, um, okay, of okay. of like the, how like the game just like, oh, well, you thought it was this, but you were wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and it, you know, you mentioned Resident Evil Four earlier. I think it's similar to that where Resident Evil Four pivots into an action game. This one goes in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But again, don't want to say what it is. But but I I don't know. I just made that analogy because. You brought up that game earlier. No, I mean, and I think that's in a lot of ways too. Like the the three that I mentioned: Dead Space, Resident Evil Four, and um, and this game. Like all three of them are sort of interesting, sort of takes on sort of the same genre. I, I guess you mm-hmm. know, it's like where where Dead Space is like Dead Space doesn't ever really pivot. You know, it's just like no. it is oppressive no. survival horror right. shooter. <laughs> From the beginning, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you know, constantly sort of like on the edge of your seat, or you know, like just ready to crawl out of your own skin. Um, but the I think that, it, and it doesn't necessarily subvert anything, but it does such a good job of like sort of like tugging. It's so masterful. 
Anyways. All right. So before we barrel into, you know, story spoilers and things like that, which we will get into just because that's who we are. Eric, you had some questions for us. I love this. Bring in a little bit of your own kind of flair to this episode. So I'd love to hear what you have. I don't know that I'll be able to answer any of them, but I'd like to hear. No, they're not that kind of thing. I used to tell people that were testifying uh, in my hearings. I would, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they, They'd be like, oh, and I'm like, this isn't a test. There's no right or wrong answers. <laughs> These are open-ended yep. questions. Just be honest. Uh, that's all. You don't have to know. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I might sometimes ask a question like, oh, what do you think this is, and or something mm-hmm. that's that maybe there is a right answer to, but you know, it, it's that's not a test. Uh, and just one yeah. little tidbit that I think is interesting before we get into that. Uh, okay. The original intention for, or the original scope of this game was to be an open world uh, game. Um, I heard and that, I want to yeah. bring this up because it makes a point that I have been making for a long time. Of course, I don't have an audience, so I make it to nobody. Um, and now I have <laughs> You posted on Twitter. So I want to make it. Um, and that, what they found was they couldn't tell the story they wanted to tell with an open world game Mm. and i have been saying for years since i sort of figured this out that if you really want to tell a story it has to be linear you can't tell Mm. a good story i mean you can tell a story but not the best way if you're story focused open world is not the way to go um Mm -hmm. and i've seen that in certain you know sometimes Assassin's Creed games or other games where they're open world, uh, like uh, Horizon. It's just not the story takes, uh, you know, takes a hit when you do open world because you can't, Hmm. a story is basically linear, although this ergodic literature. Well, you can't control the pacing in an open world. And so the the plot like you'll get like plot or exposition dumps you know like yeah. you brought up horizon and it's like if you follow the golden path like i'm sure you know there's some like pacing issues and stuff like that like there but you, you know what i'm saying like it's yeah you're I, saying if you don't play it like an open world game if, if you yeah, yeah if you right. don't play it like an open world game yeah, it's a lot more coherent. It's a lot easier to sort of follow the narrative. And it's like even one of the things that I would sort of like, you know, and as much as like I, I like the dog on that game, but Breath of the Wild, one of the biggest problems with that game is like there is a story, but it's kind of hidden. It's kind of buried. And frankly, the game isn't about the story. No, it's no, it's really it's a not. super simple story. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, like, Outside of something like Red Dead Redemption 2, which is this massive open world game, you know, that everybody like rants and raves about the story, you know, but yeah, like open world games, I think one of the big weaknesses is that their strength is in in, like the emergent gameplay, the emergent narrative stuff, but like the actual like for, for somebody to write the story and tell the story that way there there needs to be constraints and sort of like you need to have set pieces and you need to have pacing and you need to yeah so yeah, yeah. no i definitely see that yeah. the powerful i mean you want to tell the story more powerfully it's going to be more linear 
Um, that's just the nature mm-hmm. of story, I think, which is why it's that way. So anyway, I, I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. um, because that's really why I love this game so much is the story, although the gameplay is, is pretty cool too. That's, that's a plus, but I would play it even if the combat was, you know, mediocre to bad for the story. Mm. <laughs> All right. So yeah. question. So let's, let's start out. I wanted to, we've already talked a little bit about genre. Um, and mm-hmm. so I wanted to get you guys input. What, what genre or genres do you think fit for this game? And, and do they really fit? I mean, cause we've mentioned horror. Uh, we've already mentioned horror. Um, anything else? I don't know, mm. but what, it, I mean, it could be multiple things. I mean, I think that the way that I would describe it is, yeah. so it starts out as like horror, but it really kind of, I think ultimately, like I'm a fan of what they call the new weird in fiction, um, which is kind of like, like Annihilation it's it's his name escapes me but the guy who wrote annihilation um and the 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 other books but like it's sort of this like almost absurdist kind of like sci-fi just really kind of just bizarre um mm-hmm. like that's i would say that alan wake sort of dips into that where it gets like a little almost not really absurd but it just sort of like kind of goes off completely off the rails at, in, in a couple of different points and not in a way that's doesn't make sense. It's a, it, and that, that maybe that sounds like a little bit of a paradox, but it like, it's not a quick pivot, but it does pivot into just something completely else where it's like on its form, like on its face, right? The, 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 the sort of the, the, the form it's itself is sort of the, this, it's a third person action adventure with some shooting mechanics. It's sort of survival horror ish. Um, but then as an actual genre, I'd say like new weird, maybe like sort of mystery thriller kind of like, you you know? Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, when you're talking about the narrative, um, then maybe, maybe things like mystery thriller, uh, thrill. I think thriller is pretty good. But that's when you're talking narrative. If you're talking about like the genre of video games, like what type of video game, I guess technically, mechanically, it's a third person shooter. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, if that's what you're going into the game, like, oh, check out this third person shooter game. You know, it's like, uh, um, you know, Jet Force Gemini on the N64. It's a third person shooter. Like, you're going to be let down. You're just going to be like, what? what is this that I'm playing? Yeah. Um, I, there's only one other game that I've played that's similar to it that like fits the same genre, and and that's another remedy game. That's <laughs> control. Know, it's control. It's control yeah. <laughs> so, so th- that's a really good question because I don't know that I have an answer to it because well, it it's it's unique in that I mean it has some very very familiar gameplay elements because of that third person shooter yeah. feel. But they do it in such a unique way. Like, they kind of bury it, you know? Like, you, it's a flashlight. And, I mean, you're still using guns. But, yeah, it does have that that sense of, like, survival to it as well. Because you don't want to go too crazy on the ammo. 
I don't, I don't know. Or maybe that's just the way that I've played, but I, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good question. Yeah. And I think, I think the answer is it's okay to say, because uh, really I think it's in between. So in terms mm-hmm. of, yeah, video game gameplay, yeah, it's sort of in between. It's, I mean, light is a weapon, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. And other games have done similar things where, you know, you have to take down, it's basically, you have to take down their shield before you can, hurt yeah. them um yeah. and so that's what the flashlight does is take down the shield and then you can hurt them um but while the, it's horror-ish i like horror-ish it's not complete horror it's more psychological no. thriller in yeah. terms of narrative it's mm-hmm, got a yeah. lot of psychological thriller type stuff in it um and you know, I see a lot of people say, "Oh, it's like it's Stephen King; it's reminiscent of Stephen King," which is true. Mm-hmm. But then they try to equate Alan to Stephen King, and it's like he he his what he he's a detective writer, or he has been. That's yeah. what he, that's what he wrote. He didn't write horror, but now he's written this horror thing that's got so right. much darkness in it. You, you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this guy is, oh, I don't know, which is why I like your comment, Josh, that he's he's not that likable. He's got darkness in him. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll, and we should, we'll talk about that. That's one of the questions coming up. Um, but yeah, I think it, I yeah. think it is, it's sort of in between in, in genres, both in narrative and in in gameplay, um, and that's kind of what makes it stand out. Um, okay, mm-hmm. here's another question. Just just like a free association type of thing. Um, what comes into your head when I ask you? Like, what references, influences, that type of thing? I mean, I talked about House of Leaves, but what what are the things? Just free association. Throw out the things that this calls to mind the whole any part of the game but especially like the atmosphere the locations the yeah anything well we we already said we already said stephen king because he starts off the game with that you know with that quote so that that's the first thing that comes to mind um but after finishing it also definitely twin peaks oh yeah Mm. Yeah, yeah, Twin Peaks, kind of Twilight Zone ish. I I was actually, I wanted to say like, yes, yes, Raymond Chandler. Like every once in a while, like you get like these, like just like when Alan would do like his little like sort of like exposition dumps or like his voiceover, whatever. It'd be like a little like Raymond Chandler esque. Like just like you have the like there's mystery. Yeah, he's he's working Mm -hmm. on a mystery. Well, and, and, but then too, it's like, you just make these, like these statements, like, you know, when he's like the metaphor that he would use, I can't remember. It's like, you, you know, when he would describe some people like, or like just some of the, the, the style that they just like, they were like okay. the phrasings, like the, the sort of the Raymond Chandler kind of like the way that, um, oh man, like I can, I can hear it in my head, but then to make mm-hmm. like if you've ever read or listened to Raymond Chandler, yeah. like it's that sort of like super metaphor heavy, like you know, she came in like a hot summer night, you know, kind of like yeah, mm-hmm. they, and like it had like these moments where these like these little like dips into that, where it's like you know, yeah. 
sometimes like Wake's narrative voice wanted to be like a little like or Sam Sam Lake's narrative voice, uh Alan Wake right. wanted to be like sort of like a He's you know, giving maybe, tribute but, to, to other writers, yeah. 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 But it makes sense because he's a writer. Um, yeah. yeah. Who appreciates other good writers. Yeah. Okay. What? So we got Twin Peaks. Definitely. Twin yeah. Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, with the whole diner and the coffee mm-hmm. and the North Pacific Northwest. Little right. Just like a small town out yeah. in the mountains where Weird some strange yeah. things are going on and it just gets deeper and de- the rabbit hole just keeps going farther and farther yeah. down. Yeah. And the Stephen King, I think is like, if you notice when you see uh, his books on the shelf, his name is bigger than the title of the book. Just like, you know, mm-hmm. certain authors like Stephen King books, Stephen King is huge. And then mm-hmm. you'll see the title of the book in smaller type underneath that. Huh. Um, and that's huh. how his books are, are printed. You know, that's the cover of his books. It's, it's his name recognition. So that's a Stephen mm-hmm. King type thing. Um, yeah. And he quotes him early there. Uh, let's see. What else? Hmm. I don't know. You tell us. I felt like themes. Um, what are the themes of the story? I think one of the one of the big themes is uh the, like well well writers in general but creators like the relationship of creators their creation and other people the, like I think it even touches on people using so almost uh, not this is a negative term but almost in a parasitic sense um, because you see yeah. there's, there's one character, <laughs> uh, in particular who is, who is Uses. very, um, just using the circumstances in which he finds himself in exploiting other people because of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think one of the, one of the big theme and, and Alan week wake has writer's block at the beginning of the game, right. you know? So the fact that he can't, he is a creator, he's defined by his creation but he, he can't work on it. It, it that's what causes you know the rift between him and his wife in the beginning yeah and then you know you're finding out about the, the what he's created other people what they've created and how he might be a part of it and yeah all this yeah isn't weird the name of i think the name of hartman's book is the creator's dilemma um okay so there's a lot of that yes there's well, a lot hilarious. of creators and their creations um Mm -hmm. sort of and he and there is parts where he talks about you know you you do this story and it just takes on a life of its own and i've heard other authors say that um you know and suddenly the characters are like oh this is you know it's obvious that what this character would do in this situation if you know and so they're sort of like there's a point at which sort of the creation itself has some agency mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. way um, to, to the creator. So, and then you're right. The whole thing gets started because he's had, he has a, hu- a huge writer's block. It's three years. It's been three yeah. years since his last book. And it's, this is what brings out all the stuff in him. That's not so, that's not so good. 
I think yeah. too, like sort of the one of the other big sort of like narrative themes is obsession. Um, yeah, you know, mm. like throughout the game, there's there's sort of the there's the desire to rescue his wife, right? But yeah, it because like and it's it's in the game sometimes it's portrayed as almost like a little cartoonish but just like the the obsessive nature of like and and even sort of tiny like how that obsession can be exploited like how like his the 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 writing of the book and everything else and how that was sort of like that's being like the 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 manuscript is like and all like and all of the different people who are trying to sort of capitalize on that or sort like again right. that sort of that that but then there's also like his just like obsessive drive and like and again it's sort of like it's a video game and while i do think the the writing is pretty good for this you know especially given the era um like sometimes like alan's a little ham-fisted or kind of just like i don't care i you know i can't talk to the cops because i need yeah you know, it's like uh okay yeah. Yeah. Cool. But then it, when it's, it's more of sort of just keeping in line with the fact that like, he's just sort of the, again, the obsessive nature and even sort of like this, like with the mystery, like he has to figure out what's going on. He has to rescue his wife. He, like there, there's a sort of like, and he's consumed almost to the point of destruction oftentimes with sort of like right. getting ahead of this or getting in, in, onto the next step or just, you know, um, there's, there's a sequence at one point in time when he thinks he's going to, to meet the kidnappers and, you know, and he gets to the designated meeting spot in the day. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. he just sort of like paces around, like, cause he thinks he's going to get the jump on them. And he just like, he keeps sort of replaying the scenario. And then as it goes, like the game progresses, then it's just like, you get to the part where it's like, it's it's the nighttime and that's when things get that's that's actually like those gameplay segments like you're you're always in the dark and the dark in this game represents danger and how his obsession with sort of like trying to control this situation and trying to sort of like get ahead of the kidnapper and everything else like has actually created a situation where he's endangered himself like he he's safe in the daylight he's safe in the daytime and then because he's like, like his bend towards, you know, getting on top of this thing actually leads him, you know, puts him in danger by basically. Yeah, he, he seems to, you know, be unaware that he, it's going to yeah. get dark and th- that's, yeah. that's when bad things happen. But let's talk about, I think, let's talk about his motivations for saving his wife. Other than, I mean, obviously there's love. Um, but does he have mm-hmm. another motivation? Because I think some people miss this. There is another motivation to him wanting to save his wife. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it says that at least I was going to say multiple times. It says about her at least once that she's his muse. Yes. That that he needs her in order to continue writing. You That's- know, the, there's that scene there's that scene where um you know there's they get snowed in in their apartment and he pulls out the the little button the clicker yeah. and he makes up a story on the spot 
to help his wife because you know the the power no, goes out. I I don't think that story was made up, but we'll get back to that. Okay, okay, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. You can you can kind of say that, but um, that's you can put a question mark on that. But his wife is convinced that it's made up mm-hmm. in that moment. Um, but it, yeah. So she's afraid of the dark, right? Like, right. yeah, I, she's got like, and it's not just like afraid of the dark. It's like the 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 phobic version right. of that, the the clinical phobia, right? Yeah. So yeah. so that's that's a good one, Josh. She's de- she, he's dependent on her as as her muse as his right. muse, but that's not the one I was thinking of. There's another one, okay, and, and it okay. has to do with she's afraid of the dark. So what mm-hmm. happens right before? I was going to actually like I let Josh go first. I think it's guilt. Yeah. I I think guilt is sort yeah. of like the big thing is because they had that fight. So you know and and I think it's fair at this point in time to maybe just throw up a little bit of a spoiler warning like hey guys going from here on out like answering questions I think you know we're just sort of going forward we're going to sort of just, I think, talk about plot points and things like that. So if you don't want the game spoiled for you, if you haven't played it, stop listening at this point. I, I would just sort of recommend that because I think, and here's what I'll say. This is not a long game. Like you can sit, like, even though it is a slower game, like, and I think Eric's right and sort of, but like you can play through this game in about 10-ish hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like fairly comfortably. Like I would say, you know, if I really would encourage you to experience it, turn the difficulty down to easy if if you're not and sort of just try and pay attention and sort of, you know, enjoy the ride. But that being said, like 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 I said, just stop listening at this point if you don't want to um if you don't want things Hale to get and hearty spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. Um and yes. by the way, I've done that with your podcasts. Um Oh, I'm nice. actually doing it right now with Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, I okay. stopped it after you finished talking about the first act. I guess the first that this act, yeah. it's three acts. Yeah, mm-hmm. because that's where I am, and now I'm I'm playing the game, but I didn't want to didn't want to get any spoilers. So yeah, that's that's great. There's a huge spoiler there. So I'm I'm, I'm glad, glad that that, <laughs> that the, to hear that that is useful for someone. Um, but yeah. I think. Like, and the reason I say guilt is because the entire situation is sort of, well, the, the, not the entire, but there's the, the one sort of like the, the primary situations is they go down the, to the cabin and she has a surprise for him. And at first it looks like it's going to be sexy time surprise, but then she's like, no, 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 I got you. I got you something. It's in the other room and it's a typewriter and he flips out on her. Like, I mean, like his reaction was like, just like, I was like, Dude, like, just lay off the pills or the caffeine or something, bro. Like, you mm-hmm. need to, like, this is just a completely unwarranted, but it's the, his, like, he sort of, like, blows up at her and runs up, like, just as, like, I can't even talk to you right now, like, and just leaves the cabin. And then, like, within that, it's like a, like a five minute segment. Like, that's when, mm-hmm. He hears screaming. He runs back to the cabin, right. and everything. And like, he specifically sort of, says, "I ran out into the dark so that she couldn't follow me. I needed mm-hmm. to be alone." So oh. he used her phobia against her, 
to oh, wow. be alone. I mean, you know, with so, so that's maybe a a, a a neutral a neutral type of thing. But he he did he did go way off on her for you know she's just trying to help. Um, mm-hmm. But it shows right. you how, right. how how the three years of writer's block has has affected him. And then there's stories that mm-hmm. they don't really emphasize, but he got, uh, he got a, a criminal charge against him for assault on a photographer. Um, okay. And that's, that's in the Alan Wake files. There's more about that in the Alan Wake files. And they, they reference it in the game too. They sort yeah, of refer to it a few times. A paparazzi guy who he pushes and, and injures um he's been drinking you know the drinking and drug stuff um mm-hmm. so yeah it's affecting him in all the wrong ways but yeah that's it's particularly cruel to her in that instance and i think part of his motivation is is he knows what he did was was wrong and and mm-hmm. put her in harm's way although he didn't know it at the time um, yeah. But in hindsight, he can see how that put, made her vulnerable. Yeah, but yeah. I have to wonder if that's sort of like a, a false assumption of guilt because, and I mean, this is sort of... Oh, sure. Like, he's assuming that, like, he put her in harm's way. But, I mean, even sort of the the the, the entire premise of them going to that cabin was all manipulation of right. the darkness, so like that outcome in some ways does feel inevitable. So it almost feels like he's assuming now did his reaction sort of like, like leave him in. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot there to sort of, but it's like, it's a, it's one of those things too, where it feels like his whole time he's like, I have to, you know, like, yeah, that there is that like guilt where it's like, I have to make this better. I have to fix this. Like I did her wrong kind of, and it, yeah. it's never explicit, but it's also like, well, it's kind of a pretty, like one, you blew up and you acted like a D bag, but that's a, you know, sometimes like we, when we fight with our loved ones, I mean, we're going to, Oh wow. Yeah. We're going. We're going to like sort of like I. Nobody knows my wife better than I do, and when like you know we we were so. But and when I'm mad and I want to be left alone, I know where I can need to hit. Like yeah. y- you know, and oh, it's yeah. like and it's the same thing with my wife. Like if she wants to provoke and like needle me just the right way, like she knows where to where to dig, and hmm. I think that's like. And I'm not saying that, that that's right or good. I'm just saying like that's that's what we do to the people we love. Sometimes we're like we can be yeah. the nastiest to them. Yeah. So yeah. In 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 that blow up scene, I mean, like you can understand why he would be frustrated from his point of view. Like frustration is understandable. It's yeah. how far he goes with it that's mm-hmm. just like oh wow that that's crazy. And I think it kind of subtly says the similar thing and i think remedy is really good at this at hinting at things at making things um implicit that you kind of have to dig into and then you then you connect the dots if you follow those lines of reasoning um but even when she reaches out to dr hartman she's kind of walking on eggshells she doesn't tell alan about it and she's been talking with him for a while to try and figure out a way to get alan to to speak to him because she wants what's best for him you know she wants Right. Alan back 
from who he's become with his writer's block. So like you you can read between the lines that yeah, he has not this is not the first time that something like this has happened that yeah. he is he he can be unkind to others but but particularly his wife even if his you know recollection of of things doesn't necessarily go there it goes to the good times which of course does with all of us but yeah um, and, and and maybe i'm overplaying it because he does he does dive into the water you know yeah right yeah. after her instead of you know he, he doesn't hesitate or anything yeah um so let me see so here's more kind of like a test question just to see i don't know how much this was evident so so he dives into the water and then he wakes up a week later mm -hmm. in the car. What, see if you guys, you know, the story wise, what has, what has gone, what has happened in that week? Um, I mean, you find out like as, as you go through like, and I think that's part of it is like, he's trying to figure out what, what's happened in that lost time. Um, yeah. Like, but what you find out is that he, when, so the entire premise, like the, the darkness through the guise of wearing Barbara Jagger or whatever, her, yeah. her sort of facade has orchestrated them to sort of be in this cabin that it sort of brought up from the depths of the lake. Mm -hmm. And then when, Alice is it is Alice, right? Um, yes. Yeah. When she yeah. was pulled into the water, and Alan dives in after, he's actually pulled down into the darkness, and he basically writes this book, his his last novel, the novel that he's been meaning to write for the last three years. He writes Departure, right. and so when you first find the 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 and the, this is where you start finding the manuscript pages but he's finding pages to a book he has no recollection of writing and so yeah. in that week he was in the darkness he was in sort of like the cabin just writing this book and yes because he made uh because he made like a pact with the dark presence that I don't even think it was a book that she would that he would get his wife back. It's like the well the I don't even know if it was a the a pact, but the the darkness was like you can bring her back, you can save her. Okay, okay. If you do this, it was if, more yeah. like the darkness sort of okay. is constantly like, and that's the thing. Like even so with the the Tom Zane stuff, which mm -hmm. that whole weird like step above <laughs> like. <laughs> when you find out that it, like, and again, like when you find out that basically Tom Zane wrote a book that Alan Wake is living out like, and that like basically like, and so there, there's this whole meta narrative that they, they sort of briefly touch on guys where Thomas Zane comes up and his name comes up like two or three times. And it's like, who is this? And then you get like this sort of exposition dump where he was like a really famous author back in the day. And somehow the, the darkness sort of got a hold of him and it took over his girlfriend, Barbara. Right. And the darkness was using Tom Zane because like the, the sort of the way the power works in that area is that authors or creatives, you know, can like, mm -hmm. as they're writing, the, the darkness can actually use that to manifest itself. It can like feed off that and it can make things happen. 
Um, right. like, so the stories and the poems that they're writing can actually sort of like affect reality. And so Thomas yeah. Zane actually wrote a book where he sort of like writes himself out of existence. And he, he goes on to sort of like, sort of continue to exist in the darkness and sort of like this, like it's a di it's an old fashioned, like deep diving suit kind of thing. Um, it's actually yeah. not that old fashioned cause he's got the, like the claw hand things, which are mm. not that uh, anyways, but that's not, that's neither here nor there. Um, but so he writes his story and again, it writes himself out of existence as sort of a way to cripple the darkness. But then the story that he wrote for like points to Alan. And so Alan is sort of living the story that Thomas Zane wrote, but in the story that Thomas Zane wrote, Alan is writing a story to basically sort of end the darkness. Um, gets real trippy. Like, and it gets really hard to follow after a little bit. And yeah. You're like, yeah. I, I, I have some issues with that though. I'm not sure how that makes sense that he writes another writer who writes better than him. Like that doesn't, because that, that was part of the reason why the dark presence wasn't, didn't like Zane's story is because it wasn't well written and they needed a better writer to do the horror because the whole reason the game like goes through all these twists and turns is because it needs to be a horror story. Like the dark presence needs it. It can't be a, a noir. It has to well, be. And the dark, it, it the, the story that it's me that, so it's Barbara or the darkness in the guise of Barbara is acting as Alan's in the week that he's gone. She is acting yeah. as Alan's editor and she's turning right. the, 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 yes. the manuscript into a horror story where the darkness yeah. wins. And then even in that, yeah. Alan writes himself an exit and like a, and a way yeah. out. And then sort of like, and it, yeah. And he's like it, and he actually makes it sort of a more orthodox horror story where there is sort of like where good try does triumph in the end, a very Stephen King esque sort of like good wins in the end, but it's like, it's only through trials and turns and sacrifice and loss and hardship. And that's yeah. what he says at one point is why Zane failed. Zane was trying to free himself from the darkness, and and the dark. You guys got it, got it good. The darkness can't directly control reality. Um, mm -hmm. It needs a conduit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it there needs an artist uh, to use to then affect and change reality. Um, but th there's one point where where Alan says that Zane got it wrong because it required sacrifice. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and basically how I read that. So uh, here's my take on it is Zane. Yes. He wrote himself out of existence, but if you notice uh, shoe boxes, apparently uh, are not affected by that. So the stuff in the <laughs> shoe box like you'll see uh, in the cabin, there's Zane's books of poetry are in this the shoebox. They're in a shoebox in there. But are they uh, in that shoebox because that that cabin belongs to the darkness? Um, yeah, that cabin is no longer there. In reality, it, it's a it's a manifestation. Um, 
but so was so is the clicker later and the <laughs> the manuscript page um of how to basically how to use the clicker against the darkness so zane wrote that into existence and you know somehow wrote this clicker into existence but but that's the whole thing you sort of and this is alan's genius is you have to sort of incorporate like he'll say a couple of different times that you know you can't change things too much it has to make sense in the story yeah um yeah or 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 you you know you're gonna fail so his genius is writing yeah departure is the game basically it's it's what he does in the game um and mm-hmm. it's, it's a wrestling match between him and the darkness because the darkness as the editor isn't coming up with the language but can you know can change it and so that's why it sort of goes back and forth um, with Alan in the darkness, um, sometimes the darkness is up, sometimes, you know, but Alan always comes out of it some way. Um, mm-hmm. But Zane is the one who planted the ultimate weapon, I guess, if you want to call the, the clicker that. The ultimate yeah. weapon was planted by Zane. Um, and he's, I guess, somewhere in the darkness, like trying to commute, he communicates with Alan at certain points during during the game mm-hmm. so i it's that's a rough one though i don't know is zane real or is or is he an allen creation or mm-hmm. is it the other way around or are they both real or um, maybe why, zane's work spawned like zane's work sort of like pointed to allen's existence and that 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 is the difference is that alan sacrifices himself right and zane was Mm -hmm. zane tried to save himself and Mm -hmm. that's that's why alan can sort of like put the darkness away for good or at least well he doesn't i mean he gets he he frees alice but he's trapped Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that's i mean that's the sacrifice he makes to stay to stay there and that's and that's where sort of like even when you get to the end of it, like that's where like sort of that epilogue DLC kind of like the those two extra yeah. episodes really sort of like fill in the gaps in some of that stuff. They um, they do, and then and and Josh mentioned something. Yeah, it there's one of the flaws of of this game is I think the DLC was meant to be. A necessary part of it i mean it, there's a story there but there's not really many answers there at the end of it you're still kind of going what but yeah the the two dlc basically the first one's the writer or the signal the second one's the writer in the first one alan is in the darkness and he's on the verge of insanity um he's trying to to stay sane um and that's the that's the conflict in that dlc and then in the writer it's he he's gained his sanity and he and he knows now how everything works and what's at stake and he's writing um he's writing an ending so to speak he's setting up something in the future um 
So I mean, they, they, they knew at the time they wanted to do another, which is always good for these kinds of things, you know, cause there'd yeah. be some continuity built in. Um, so they knew at the time they wanted to do another game. Um, they haven't done it yet. That'll be Alan Wake two, which is supposed to come out next year. I think mm. Mm, I can Google that. I will Google that. I think Wikipedia said 2023, but mm-hmm. who knows, you know, stuff. Gets right. Me. Yeah. I, I never take any of that for, but they've been working on it. They wanted to do it right away. And then Microsoft nixed it. Um, okay. And then there were, yeah, then there were financial things and, uh, and then they got out from under Microsoft and, um, They've always wanted to do the rest of the story. So there's like, uh, there's clues in different places. And I didn't even tell you guys, there is a 2012 blog called This okay. House of Dreams, which is, Remedy did that. But it, it's supposed to be a person named Samantha who buys this house and moves in and starts finding weird stuff and she finds a shoebox and in the shoebox are a bunch of poems by a guy named Thomas Zane who she can't find anything about and then a lot of it is just the poetry of Zane Mm. um, which to more or less degrees sheds some light on some of the stuff we've been talking about okay Um, Alan Wake quotes one of his poems, or at least a stanza of it, um, that's it's famous now if you've played the game, but here I'll read it. So, for he did not know that beyond the lake he called home lies a deeper, darker ocean green, where waves are both wilder and more serene. To its ports I've been, to its ports I've been. Alan quotes that in the game. Um, and then obviously it's got the, it's not a lake, it's an ocean. Mm, yeah, the mm-hmm. way it ends, yeah. And then also there's another interesting thing in there. Um, the middle line is where waves are both wilder and more serene. And the names of two of the characters in Quantum Break, one is Beth Wilder and one is Paul Serene. Oh, um, wow. And it said they took they took those from that. From yeah. That I think... I honestly think if Remedy could sort of like pry Quantum Break away from Microsoft or open up the, um, because it, when I when we were doing some like looking around at this, one of the biggest things that they were like, well, it's not like Quantum Break isn't really tied to Control or Alan Wake because it's sort of like it was basically an xbox exclusive and we're supposed to just sort of like an xbox has not like opened that up um yeah that one has and i think what's what's interesting there too is like you know and we we've sort of mentioned control there is the alan wake dlc the awe or the the alan wake experience or what i think is what they called it um dlc where you sort of you know, there's that that room, that sort of room in the bureau, um, or the the oldest house, yeah. that the the darkness has basically corrupted, um, has has sort of. So yeah, Doctor Hartman has been corrupted by both the darkness and Alan since he's in the darkness, mm. and Alan 
feels responsible for let it get the darkness got out and into Hartman and he feels responsible for it. So he talks to Jesse. Well, he feels responsible for it because when they're in the lodge, you know, and the darkness is coming in, Alan shuts him in the room with it. And he, he's like, and he's, he smiles to himself and he like pieces out. He's like, he's like, I was like, he yeah. hates that guy. Yeah. Well, uh, and Hartman's kind of a detestable. I'm, I mean, oh, yeah. Right. He's, yeah, he's who I was talking about was the parasite, is because you know, it specifically says, um, he was, he was Thomas Zane's apprentice or right. sort of oh, right assistant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I he was Zane's assistant. That. And that's how, that's why he knows about the darkness in the lake and that's why he built the, the clinic there next to the lake right. so that he can use the artists um mental breakdown i'm not sure yeah i'm i'm not sure what his goal is like nate do you know i mean what, what i know he's using the artists but it never says like what for and maybe just profit. Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's more as like, he's trying to harness the sort of the, the creative power of the make. Okay. Like he's like, he's trying to sort of tap into like the stuff that Zane did like in shaping reality with his poems. It, it, I mean, I, I don't think they ever sort of explicitly spell it out, but that's sort of like, he's trying to sort of like get like a Zane 2.0 that he can sort of like put, exercise some influence over in order to shape reality to his whim it, it, it is the way that i yeah, yeah. and he's just like a and creep also, he's just a yeah he creep is. and also we need we should we need to talk at least quickly um about the uh tour and the brothers the old Odium. gods of Oz. Uh, yeah of Asgard. because they're the ones that open they they say basically they're the ones that opened the door to the to let the darkness out. But I'm not sure that and so even there it's like if all of this is sort of an outworking of Zane's work, right? So Zane is sort of like there's two layers to the the, the narrative. There's Zane's work and then there's Alan's work which sort of exists under Zane's work. Right. It almost I almost think the brothers especially with their song being about the lady of the light which is about um the crazy Cynthia. lamp lady Right, right. I can't remember. Weaver. What was her name? Cynthia Weaver. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's almost more of like, that's more of Zane's stuff. But yeah, they were they were tapping into like some of that darkness and like their success. Like, they were using the lake water to make moonshine. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's there what they go. did. And they say somewhere, it's, it's really, brief. some of this stuff is so brief. Um, you don't catch it unless you play it multiple times. Um, they say we opened the door. We or cracked it. We cracked it, but like, right. you're the one that kicked that it wide open. Zane, right. And mm. then they, they sort of used it with their music. Um, and then, yeah, then Zane came along and see, I think the timeline, the, the timeline seemed to me, it was like Zane, then the brothers, cause the brothers were like a, a metal act. And Zane sort of seems like he was like turn of the century, like thirties, forties, like fifties, where they no, seem seventies. The the volcano that the lake is in um, erupted and took the well, it took the uh, diver's isle 
underneath the water in the seven. It was in 1970 or something in the seventies. Hmm. And that's, so I guess I mean, Zane was before that because he was there. Um, I think that, and that's, that's the thing though, is like the, the timeline for this game is never really clearly established. There's a whole lot of ambiguity sort of kicked out. Yeah, about. But, but you're right. Uh, so I, I, my, in my head, it's that old, old gods of Asgard was like a '60s metal band. Um, yeah, I mean, and Zane, I guess, was there because somewhere in the '70s is when the 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 island sank under the water of the lake. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and we haven't mentioned. Uh, so a couple other things. One is uh, this is I I. In my opinion, this is the best use of licensed music in any game. Um, okay, that's my take. Uh, I like love for the end of the episodes. Yeah, the licensed yeah. music, which is the music you know by well, other people, and then it has two of my all-time favorite gameplay experiences. One, okay, is on the stage with the children, yeah. the elder yes. god song that yeah. is that is that's everybody's favorite but my <laughs> that is favorite, that is this the ashtray room the ashtray maze room the same yeah. thing yeah yeah, yeah. they redid mm -hmm. it with the ashtray yeah. maze and i was i was totally right. blown away. i'm like how did they re they repeated this experience in a new and cool way yep and it was awesome but my favorite is toward the end of the game in a warehouse when the poets of the fall song war plays on the radio and you, and you get swarmed by a bunch of the taken um, that has always been one of my favorite gameplay experiences. I love that song war okay. by poets of the fall. It's so good. Well, and we sort of, we briefly alluded to, one, I think the music is good. Like, one of the things that's really great about Remedy Games is they, that band, so the old gods of Asgard, you can actually, like, go on iTunes and get their music. Um, it's Poets of the Fall. Oh, is that? Poets of the Fall, yeah. It's them. Uh, yeah. They're, they're okay. old gods of Asgard, too. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. and I I was I was just going to say, because, like, I've actually, like, control um, from like take control from control the, the ashtray maze like I listen to that song every once in a while and just get like amped up <laughs> out so of my good. mind it's so good yeah. I listen yeah. to War and Haunted like once a month on on like replay too they're just songs there's certain songs that I can listen to and never get sick of and those those both of those are are, are for, well, for me and then the the nice. that poets of the fall also there's a song specifically by poets of the fall um in control um yeah. my dark disquiet which is that's also a very cool sort of like little yeah. moment but i did want to talk to and we we sort of alluded to the episodic nature of this game how this this game is there's six primary episodes and how it's set up like and we we, we mentioned twin peaks but like that is like it's like you play through this a little bit. It's like it um it feels like the game is very much meant to sort of like episodes. You you play an episode, you sit on it, you chew on it, and you sort of and then you proceed. And it even does it previously on Alan Wake, kind of like yeah. you, you know, 
like, and, and I just thought like, I love the fact that they play with that convention. Like that just feels very, that felt very good, very fresh. Like I kind of just was like, I really like this approach. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, they wanted to release it episodically. Oh, wow. Like, you know, later know games did and Microsoft said, no, we can't. No, thank you. <laughs> okay. The revenue. Yeah. yeah they, they weren't, they, they were worried about the revenue stream. So they had to do it all together, but they still, and they play with that in Quantum Break. I don't know if you guys play Quantum Break. That has live action uh, sequences with Lance Riddick and, I mean, it. those are fantastic. Oh, those are so good. Hmm. Um, but they made the, – a lot of people didn't like the game because of that because they – Well, they I mean, but Remedy has done stuff with like mixed media in all their games pretty much. I mean, yeah. I haven't played Max Payne, but maybe they've done that in Max Payne. And, and there is a – there's a prequel um, you should watch. It's on YouTube. It's called Bright Falls. And it's about okay. a reporter that goes to Bright Falls to interview Hartman about his mm. book. And then the darkness gets involved with him. And it's very, it's typical remedy. It's super subtle. It's not over the head type stuff that wants you to imply a lot of things. Um, and so watch that. It's short. The, the, the episodes are only like 10 minutes. I think there's six they're not even 10 minutes, maybe. Maybe they are. You said I that's on YouTube? Yeah. Okay. It's called nice. Bright Falls. Nice. Yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. I, I you know, it is, I, I think it's really cool how you were talking about these episodes, how Remedy um, uses the episodic nature because it's fairly arbitrary you know, like, like the game has twists and turns and it kind of ends these episodes on the twists and turns and then pivots to something new. But really if, if you didn't have the episodic nature, you could just play through the game. Like you wouldn't lose anything, but I think what they do especially well is they get, they put a cliffhanger at the end of each episode. So while you feel satisfied at the end of an episode, you also really want to play the next episode because Usually it's some sort of revelation or, you know, whether it's what you just did wasn't what you thought you were doing or, you know, you, you learn something big about the story right before the episode ends. And because they do that and, you know, I was going to say good TV does that. It's, it's a, it's a way that TV hooks you in, you know, like one of my, one of my favorite shows growing up was 24, um, I say growing up, I mean, I was already a bit older, but still, I really love that show. And that had that down to an art form where it was always a cliffhanger and it was just like, ah, you have to wait to watch the next episode. Um, and, and Remedy does that really well with throughout these six episodes in the game. Yeah. And I, I think the, the songs at the end are mm-hmm. important because music, to me, at least, music is emotional. I mean, I like I, uh, of course, I gravitate to music with great lyrics, and I really pay attention mm-hmm. to the lyrics. But in the end, I, it's the emotions of music that that I think are the thing. And those just, I just at the end of each ep. This is just me, probably, but at the end of each episode, I just sat there and listened to the whole song, mm. and let it just sort of wash. And and that's and I just appreciate the the choices they made i mean 
there's some great stuff. And then I, and then I have this thing. It's just my thing. When I finish a game, I sit through the credits because I, okay. it's just stupid. I just feel like, look, all these people worked on this game. The least I can do is sit here yeah. and just watch their names go by. You know, I don't know any of them, of course, but, and so you haven't played I, very many Kickstarter games then have you? <laughs> no, Hyperlight Drifter, it's ridiculous. Hyperlight Drifter's <laughs> Hyperlight Drifter's credit is like three hours long. It's longer than the game yeah. because really? it's like it's like, no. It, I'm being. Well, it, I would get up and go do stuff while it's playing yeah. in the background for that yeah. one. Yeah, but I would let it, I would sit there and go. I'm gonna let this play. I'm just gonna let <laughs> this run. It's so stupid. I don't know why I got it in my head, but that's what I do. It's just like my tradition. And at the end of this yeah. one, it's it's. David Bowie's Space Oddity, which is just, Mm. Ah. I love that song, but it has just a feel for it that really, you know, it's about space and stuff. It's not anything related, but just the the Mm. mood of it is perfect. Yeah. 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 It's a good one. That's that's something I really like about Remedy is there. They put a lot of thought into the music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, I would go ahead, Josh. I was just going to throw out a little anecdote is, you know, we're talking about how Remedy um, often uses kind of very implicit things in order to tell its stories and, and does it like really pays attention to a lot of the details while again, leaving big swaths or, or big question marks out there and not explaining some things. I think that it does implicitly say a lot. Um, there was one thing that threw me off throughout the entire game where I was just waiting to, 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 I, I was, I was waiting for Alan to wake up from the dream that he was having <laughs> because his name is a wake yeah. and his wife's name is a wake. So mm. I'm like, is this all a dream? Are they just going to wake up? Like what, what is going, and it never happened. And so that was like a red herring that was in the back of my mind through the entire game, because especially with how disorienting the opening of the game is where it is, you know, like this weird yeah. dream, but it, it has to do with reality. So it's, it's more like a, um, oh, why can't I think of his name? Not young, but uh, a, more like a Freudian dream where, you know, it's like all these things actually mean something. It actually, yeah. ha- you know, there's a billboard of Tom Zane in the dream. So it's, it, it's not like it actually happened, but there's reality in it kind of a thing. Um, and, and just the constant kind of like, you know, waking up and, and, um, in the car accident. So I thought that was, I, I was kind of on my toes, like waiting for that to happen again and then try and piece together. Okay. What it, about this was a dream and what was real, but. Well, and I think even there though, the, the, the lines between dream and reality are so blurry because of the, the entire mm-hmm. nature of the game. Like I was thinking about, was it yeah. Clay Stewart? that you mentioned earlier at the beginning, yeah. Eric. And yeah. you're like, you're telling like, there's all this stuff where he's like, he's an actual character in the game. And so that sequence where like Alan is like talking to the light and everything else, like no, that, that dude like in, in the canon of the game universe died saving Alan Wake. Um, you know, cause he gets in the dream. chopped up, but, yeah. but is that, but That's is that a dream? dream? Yeah. Are we sure that's because a dream Clay, sequence? Because Clay Stewart goes on to write the Alan Wake files okay. after the events that took place in Bright Falls. Yeah, there is a lot of Jungian stuff in here, collective unconscious type of, of stuff. Yeah, okay, all of okay, okay. Stuff. So, yeah, the 
and Nightingale, the the game is terrible at explaining what Nightingale's problem is. Yo, and that's okay. That's yeah, like he was- he's just a d bag for no reason. Okay, he's yeah. just like. A, Angry calling it's, him all kinds of other writers' names. What's wrong with yeah, this guy? It's in the Alan <laughs> Wake files. Funny. It's in the Alan Wake files, and I guess they wanted to mm. put in the game, but it, they never got into the game. But it that's a that's one of the big flaws. Is you're just like, what is this guy's deal? It's that never, was like right. That was when he shows up. It was like super jarring because he just like shows up and he's just angry. He's kind of a drunk, and he's just like fi- yep. like he's just firing his gun at people <laughs> well even breaker is just like you need to calm down <laughs> so, so okay it. so here's the backstory um it's not gonna you know justify him but at least it explains something so all right so he is a former fbi agent he in the game he has been kicked out of the fbi for drunkenness and what happened was his partner uh, in the FBI, him and his partner were known as like the cleanest cut agents. I mean, they totally went by the okay. book, never did anything wrong. They were the poster poster guys of, of FBI agents. Um, his partner started having dreams with Alan Wake in it. Mm. And eventually his partner went crazy and killed himself. Oh, and Nightingale blames Alan Wake. <clears throat> so yeah. he starts, you know, he drinks himself into being fired from the FBI, but he decides to go after Alan Wake and pretend that he's still with the FBI. Um, and he wants to find out what the heck, you know, he holds Alan Wake responsible. So he does want to kill him, but he wants to talk to him first. That's what, you know. Gotcha. He's trying to, you know, he's not trying to, he does want to kill him. I mean, he is shooting at him. Uh, yeah. But well, he's shooting at him and like just civilians. <laughs> like he, civilians, right. Know. Almost the radio, Pat Main. So he's, yeah. he's sort of a, a collateral damage from the darkness. I think the darkness got into his partner somehow, but. Huh. There was shared – like Clay Stewart, Alan Wake was showing up in this guy's dreams. Um, and that's a whole – I mean, I don't even get that. This is before Alan Wake went to Bright Falls. I mean, it started It started earlier. So it's not like yeah. it started that week when – you know, when the, the week that Alan Wake lost. Um because by then, you know, Nightingale comes there and it's already, all that stuff has happened. It's been a while. So I don't know. But that's that's what you find out in that book that's in the collector's edition is that's his motivation. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm kind of looking here because, like, I'm looking at the, uh, the Alan Wake um, wiki. And I'm wondering, like, if he has any sort of like connection or ties to control. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a thing. Um, and there's also in, in this house of dreams, that blog I was telling you about where she finds the shoebox. Um, some fed agents come because she's blogging about it. 
Mm. And some med agents come and they say they're, they have badges that say AWE on them. Okay. So it sounds like at, at the point, so that was 2012. And at the point, at that point, Remedy was sort of thinking that they had this idea for a government agency. It was going to be altered world events, mm. uh, but they changed it eventually to, to federal Bureau of control. Mm. Um, so the FBC, um, but the, the consensus on Nightingale is that he was just a regular FBI agent. He, he wasn't involved with the, with whatever it was at that time, AWE with, or, with all of the, the stuff. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. I, that would make more sense because then why would he want to kill Alan Wake? Like, you, yeah. Yeah. He, he would have more of an understanding of maybe what was going on if, if he was yeah. part of the, the control. Yeah. It just, it's, I'm, I'm sort of really interested to see what happens with Alan Wake 2 and where they go from here. Like, one, I'm really excited to see them sort of, clean up the combat like the story is cool but like one of the things i love about control is like yeah the story is kind of like nonsense in a lot of ways and it's like it takes like you, you know you have to like dive down some really weird hole rabbit holes on the internet to sort of like figure all that stuff out but the gameplay is so good and if you could like marry just even a a a fraction of the gameplay from control with the Alan Wake universe where you have maybe a slightly more cohesive, coherent kind of storyline. Yeah. You could have something really spectacular at the end. I'm just the end of the second DLC. So I told you so that in the first one, he's fighting insanity. He wins. Mm -hmm. And now he's like figuring out, all right, uh, I can, you know, I can fight the darkness here. And he's at the very end, he puts a piece of paper into the typewriter and types out the name of the next novel. It's called return by mm. Alan Wake. So that's, that was the setup for Alan Wake too. So somehow the story is going to be about him getting back to the real world. Well, mm. Even in though, but even in sort of like control, it, when you're doing the the AWE DLC, like he's communicating with her, yeah. Like he's sort of like talking to her in like flashbacks, and yeah, that that whole thing was like I was like, what is going on here? I'm half tempted to go back and just, I mean, I ha- I guess I'd have to start the game. I'd have to reinstall control. I definitely. Am. Because yeah. I played it on PS4, I haven't played the PS5 version yet. Oh, I have it to play. Turn 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 that on performance, buddy. It's, uh, it's I know I played it on PS4 and it w- and PS4 Pro and it was chugging. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh man, how would this be? And it was fantastic then. I thought, how would this be if it really actually <laughs> worked? The way Dude, it was in, on the PS5 version with like performance mode, where it's like got the like the the lock sixty frames. Or whatever it's like you're just ripping stuff off the ground and out of the walls and just flinging it around all willy-nilly and it's like the combat it just feels really good oh yeah it's so much fun so. um yeah but i think so, the the 
the idea is in the in the AWE DLC for Control is that the darkness is using the hiss. They're not the same thing, I guess. I, I haven't really, well, I haven't deep dove into this yet, but it, there's sort of the darkness is using the hiss or something. In, the, in that branch, what I do remember is that in that branch, there were hybrids that were like, and Hartman was the big one. He had sort of become part hiss, part darkness. Dark. Yeah. And, but yeah. So. Yeah, that's a, that was just, I don't know. Like it's, it's, I'm just really interested to see where they go with that universe. Cause it's just kind of, it's, it's, it's intriguing to me. Like so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And especially sort of given the ties, like, okay. So like you have like Odin and Tor from the old gods of Asgard in Alan Wake. Right. But then in yeah. control, the, was the, the, um, Ati, the the janitor, yeah, yeah, who is like may or may not be a Finnish sea deity or something. I yes, don't yes. know, and it's like I think he is. Yeah, and it's just like it's. I'm just so like th this world that they've kind of like built is really compelling and interesting, and it's it's one of those things where like frankly I don't I don't know if I necessarily need everything to be super clear cut. Yeah, I just kind of it's a it's a place I kind of like hanging out with and just sort of like wrestling with the mystery a little bit. Um, so I mean that's just me. Like I just yeah, it it no, it's like that. Yeah, I, some of the pieces I don't. There are some pieces that don't seem to fit, but I'm okay with that because there's so much there that's interesting and um, just these kinds of oh. Oh, oh moments, you know. Um, yeah. And I was going to say, if you want, I just played it uh, over the weekend. I just played uh, American Nightmare. It's a short game. It's no more than 10 hours um, and, and probably less. And it's a time loop game. So you, you do the things which some people don't like. Um, you do three things three times and it changes slightly each time. Um, but there is a lot of exposition about the Alan Wake game in that. And it adds mm. a little to it as well. Um, well but, but American so Nightmare really is only available on in Xbox, right? Yeah, it was a mm. 360 arcade game. Uh, yeah, I played it on Xbox. I don't think you can get it on PlayStation. So, or yeah. Else. And it's one of those. And it's on PC. Oh, yeah, it is? It is on PC. Okay. Yeah, I do yeah. remember that. And it's, you know, it doesn't run the best. It's some of those backwards compatible. I've played a lot of backwards compatible on Xbox. And I keep, you know, when the Xbox guys are like, oh, yeah, it's backwards compatible. And I'm like, yeah, but is it really a bunch of those? just crash constantly mm. it's oh. like you're gonna and i got oh, wow. i gotta yeah I, I got mad and i thought you know just don't do it if you're not gonna do it right <laughs> i'd rather not have it i, mm -hmm. I don't want yeah. the illusion of oh yeah we got this game on backwards compatible and then it keeps crashing and i have to restart it constantly i hate that 
Hmm. So I'm like, not all backwards compatible is backwards compatible. <laughs> Must resist urge to dunk on Microsoft. Yes, don't do that. <laughs> but all of that being said, I think, uh, you know, sort of it, we probably all have sort of like maybe wrap up some of our thoughts, but Josh, were, was there anything that you wanted to hit that we sort of, we didn't cover? Um, so, so, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit in the baggage. The only other game that I had played was, was control. So the thing that stood out to me was how much this game was similar to control that it did not, I did not see that for the first like half of the game. <laughs> it felt very different. And then it turned into like, Oh, this is like proto control. Like, mm-hmm. the, and, and, I mean, like control done, like, you know, 12 years earlier, kind of a D or 15, you know, whatever, whatever. The, you can the see some of the, there's a, was. they've got a lot of the same bones. Yes. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, um, so my question is how much of, of how much do you think? And I, I don't know because I didn't delve into this. I, I think that you asked Eric about the themes. I think this theme of creators, creation, using that creation, the the relationship of that. I think that was the theme they were exploring with this game. And then they they took it to this idea, you know, all these weird ideas uh, and incorporated that and incorporated that in well. I'm not using weird as a derogatory term, just like it got it got no, crazy. It's, it got um, weird. Yeah. It made it weird. Things things got weird. <laughs> um and and so I'm just wondering like how much of of control was it like okay let's take out all that like alan wake is our creator story let's take all that creator creation stuff out of here and just like delve into the weirdness what is someone being dropped into the weirdness um because they expounded on that and they gave more backstory around and then now there are these other objects of power now they have different things i'm not sure that alan is the creator Rather than I'm, I'm kind of in the camp where like the typewriter or the darkness or whatever mm-hmm. is sort of like an object of power kind of thing. Yeah, and that it was oh, a, the typewriter definitely is because I think it's in control, isn't it? I mean, there's a there's a memo about it. I I don't know if it actually makes an appearance in control. It's been a minute since, it, but like I know that yeah, there are memos about it. But I think the darkness might be comparable to something like the hiss. Where it's it's sort of uh, an otherworldly or a a supernatural force, and again, like versus like Polaris is sort of like you know like there are all these sort of like weird forces, and then you've got like and we sort of talk when you we, when you dipped out for a second there. Sorry. No, it's all right, but we no we didn't talk about this specifically, but it's like wh- what is Ati the the janitor from Control, like. Mm-hmm. All like there's a whole bunch of stuff in there where it's like this is just a weird universe, and I'm really kind of interested to see what they do with it. Yeah, definitely. And and it does bring up the other question is I'm curious if Alan is writing anything about the Bureau of Control. Or, you know, like even if if he wrote, you know, anything about Polaris or anything about Jesse, if if any of control the game has if if Alan had written has mm. written any of that from within the dark presence, you know, wherever he is right now. And then also where's Mr. Scratch? Like 
that's another question that they're going to have to cat that that's they're, uh, American Nightmare. They dealt with. Oh, is he only in? I mean, well, he shows up at the end of of Alan Wake. Yeah, doesn't he? Then, oh, do they get uh, he's, the, he's the uh, antagonist in American Nightmare. Okay, that's who that's who Alan Wake fights in American Nightmare. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And is so, he done away with in that one? Yes. At okay. the end of it, yes. Gotcha. But, and he is basically okay. like all the he, he that whole game is interesting because he keeps explaining what he is to Alan. He's all of Alan's bad thoughts and okay bad stuff. I mean, Scratch is the the ancient name for the devil, and that's basically right. what he is mm-hmm. yeah. references like. He says, like, it's much funner up here than down there. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's that those were my those were my thoughts of just the not not like delving totally into the remedy verse, but we've talked about it a little bit. Um, but I'm like I'm excited to see where, yeah, where it goes, how they intertwine and where they're where they're taking it because because Alan Wake feels so much more like control for the, you know second half of the game or so that's what yeah. it ends up turning into so stuff that i couldn't say before we even started talking about I'm, I'm looking at the wiki too just to so i know that like they you, you said eric that in alan wake's american nightmare um they sort of do away with him but there's still a lot of rumors that he's going to make an appearance in alan wake too yeah he like, can come back yeah so so it's is a yeah, he's a he's an ap- apparition type thing. He's not. He's a supernatural killer, you know. Right, or, right. But like, so and it's just sort of more. It's implied that Mister Scratch was actually created by Thomas Sane, possibly as part of the balance, which balance is a huge control thing. <laughs> I, yeah. Man, this like I said, this <laughs> this world is so weird, and I like it. Yes, like this is yeah. You know, we were talking about like I was talking about like like that that branch that strand of fiction called the new weird. Like mm-hmm. these games, it's like the old weird, the, but it's modern. It's like the old weird, but it's new and it's shiny, um, <laughs> or weird fiction or whatever. But these games are basically that, and I love them. There's almost like an absurd kind of bend to them, where it's just like, does it need to make sense? No, and it won't. Like, just kind of like, you know, go in for like, you know, just having your brain derailed for a while. <laughs> but how, so how about you, Eric? Was, was there anything that you wanted to hit on before we sort of really land the yeah. plane on this thing? Okay. Yeah. I need to do a deep dive into control next. Um, anyway, but I did want to end with this. Uh, I learned a lot of stuff by watching, I mentioned it earlier without saying his name a guy on YouTube who started his channel just to do videos about Alan Wake, but he wound up, he's got videos about, uh, Hellblade. He likes the psychological stuff. He's got playthroughs of the evil within one and the evil within two. Mm. Um, he's got all the remedy. I mean, he's a remedy fanatic and he's really interesting. Um, He's not a literature guy. Uh, At one point, he explained his background. He's got a degree in music, 
and he and he works in construction. He does like he does estimations and stuff in in construction. So he's a very weird mix, but he loves this stuff. And he's got a channel. It's called I I don't know what the official name is. It's either University of Gaming or Gaming University. And I am working my way through okay. his videos. Um, they're really good. He's really he's not a Christian. He's into like all kinds of religion and uh, creation mythologies and stuff like that. And he's very mm -hmm. he's very interesting. Some of his streams are I, I really annoying because he talks. To, he's really nice. He talks to everybody <laughs> when somebody comes <laughs> into the. Into the the chat. Oh, hey, how you doing? You know, and he'll answer every question everybody throws at him. So it gets annoying, but sometimes I just put it on because I learn. He also then also has just like little teaching ones where he says, "Here's what I think." Like that's like he's got one about Ati and a translation of the Finnish that tango song that Ati plays. Mm, yeah, listens to. Or something um that's how i learned a lot about ati because i had no idea what that was all about although i that that's a weird guy but but he has one about ati he's got a bunch of stuff um and that's what i'll leave you with if you really want a deep dive that guy has has yeah. deep dope so um, i actually just looked it up and if it is the one it's gaming university and there's a yeah. whole pile of alan wake stuff and control stuff oh in yeah here. He dove right. He dove headfirst into that. Ocean. All the way all into things, it. Yeah, all things remedy is that guy. So that's so, a. So yeah. That's a resource if you want to get deep. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have anything to create. I'm like I said, I'm just kind of I'm excited for Alan Wake too. I was really kind of glad to go back to this. I'm I'm gonna, like I said, I'm looking forward to sort of like wrapping up those last couple little bits of. Uh, the the signal and uh, what what it, it's the signal and the writer, or yeah, okay, and they're not um, long. Yeah, well, it's like hours. And I'll tell you what, even like playing through, I played through a little bit of the signal, maybe like yeah. Well, if they're they're episodes following the sort of the episodes of of the game proper, the hour yeah. and a half, two hours sort of fits. Um, but like the way that you like light up the words. Yeah. To sort of like spawn stuff into the like, and there's one field that is like you can spawn a bunch of enemies and explosives, and it and it right. goes very poorly, very quickly. Right. <laughs> yeah, because it'll set off all the other ones. Yeah, you have to keep your flashlight away from the word. I just kept I kept it sort of down, like I like I kept the camera yeah. sort of down. Um, and yeah, those birds was, come up at you. <laughs> yeah, the birds that are. That was another are, thing. Hitch Your Hitchcock the birds is another thing you could have mentioned. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Or the book birds. Yeah. Then they changed to the, the book type, the birds that are books. <laughs> yeah. But it, but books I think, I mean, th there's obviously more that we could probably talk about if we want, like if we were so inclined, but I do think mm -hmm. this is probably like an okay place to sort of like, wind it up and sort of maybe call it a night i feel like um you know sort of an, an ending sort of endorsement for me is like again um 
if you have listened to this all the way through and you haven't played the game yet, I really recommend this game. Like, it's just like, it is such an interesting little piece of work um, that it really deserves sort of a run through. You know, any closing thoughts from you guys as far as that, like sort of recommendations or... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a unique little title. Uh, again, second Remedy game, and they both do some similar things. They have stim- similar methods of storytelling, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think I do think in Alan Wake, it's a bit more uh, kind of presented to the player, whereas Control, you have to go searching for it a bit more to mm-hmm. make sense of things. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, narratively, Alan Wake if you're going in for the story, I recommend Alan Wake over control, but control is just more fun to play. So, (laughs) so, um, but they, but they have similar kind of styles to them. So yeah, I mean, I would, I would give it my recommendation as well. I think with the length, with it being on the shorter end, um, that helps so that if, if you're not, you know, necessarily enjoying it, the, the story can pull you along if the mechanics aren't immediately gripping. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say it's, it, it has, yeah, it's, a, it's a unique little game. It does something really special. It asks more of you if you want to go there, but even if you don't, I mean, it's, yeah, it's weird enough to kind of dip your toes in. You play a dozen hours max and, and you can kind of say, well, that either you'll know whether this is for you or whether no, it's not for you, you know? So yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even if it's so, if it's not your, kind of game if you really like story watch a playthrough of it um because it's got it's got a really interesting story that that brings we didn't even cover uh, a lot of the stuff so Mm -hmm. we didn't spoil everything for you um but yeah i i recommend it because like i said it's one of my top five favorite games yeah i think and i think too we did sort of hit like a lot of the high points where it's like yeah if you if you listen to this, you would know sort of what happened, but it's also you wouldn't know how it's it's kind of like you see the destination without understanding any of the journey and the journey mm-hmm. and it, and really like the journey is the game like it's an Alan Wake experience. Yes, it's an <laughs> A.W.E. But I think all that being said, I think it's it's time to start sort of like winding this down, wrapping it up, kind of all those things. So, uh, you know, before we sort of really start the closing spiel, uh, Eric, just wanted to thank you for your time. Um, thank you for yeah. nominating the game. Thank you for being a patron. Mm-hmm. Um, and, thank uh, you for your patience and listening. No, dude, this was... I am bad. I'm really bad at... <laughs> You're really good at being bad at brevity? Well... Yeah. You you are you are you are among friends here, my friend. Um, <laughs> we 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 will be your people. Um, but and if I do say so myself, you're also a very good judge of good games. So. Ah yes. Ah. Uh, well, and that that sort of. Do you have a quick moment to judge us? Do you have something to be judgy about? Yeah. But it wouldn't be quick. We could do it. <laughs> we could bring it up. Um, so, I, as I mentioned, I'm replaying God of War 2018. Man, I love that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I recall you guys, I think you guys did an episode on that, didn't you? We did two mm-hmm. episodes um, on yep. that, yeah. And when you talked about, but this is just everybody, I, I'm, I'm 
Okay. It's one of my things. Um, everybody that says, oh, Kratos, he's just a guy who's angry. That's all he is. You're missing it. There is a lot. I love the early God of War games. There is a lot there. Okay. We can talk about it sometime, but that's my judginess is you guys, you're missing, you're missing it when you just say, oh, yeah, that Kratos, he's just an angry guy. Well, just, and I would say like, and, and a lot more to him. There, there is, but it's also like, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I've played the first three. And or no, I played one and two. I think I dipped out on three, um, but it it was just like there is more to it. But it's like at the end of the day, he's just a angry dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I'm, well, well, next year, well, well, since Ren Ragnar after Ragnarok's out and it's been out, mm. people have had a chance to. Uh, we'll see, because I'm thinking it's I, you know, whether it's the greatest game ever i don't know but i'm excited to hear the rest of it. it's going to end that story mm-hmm. and that's that's what i want and i think that'll be good and just by the way i mean those two fights with balder are so exceptional mm-hmm. god of war 2018 oh my lord those are so good anyway that's it well well next year i'll we'll do something all right and i can get judgy with with your take on old Kratos. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fun. But I, I think uh, Josh, um, you know, we've, we've kind of, you know, we've wandered to and fro through the, the dark forest that is the game, Alan Wake. And, you know, mm-hmm. there, we did leave, there's still like, you know, Eric, you said, there's still a lot, lot on the table as far as like story or whatever. And um, it's true. You know, people might want to get a hold of us and ask particular questions or lodge certain complaints or, you know, be judging in their own way. How can they do that, Josh? Yeah. Just just reply to the podcast in the comment section of the podcast. Just let us know there. No, I'm just kidding. You can't do that. <laughs> but on social media, there's tons of places where you can shoot us your thoughts. Um, or you can just email us directly. It's the, the backlog breakdown at gmail.com. Or on Facebook, we have our Facebook group, the hashtag backlog book club. Or on Twitter, our handle is at bbdowncast, Instagram.com slash the backlog breakdown. Um, and we also have a Discord, and the link for that is in the description. So there's tons of ways that you can reach out to us as a podcast collective where we can, uh, you know, reply to you or if you just want to go straight to the top and and you know message one of us either uh nate or myself i generally oh uh, on the internet go by broccolope and nate goes by nate underscore mckeever yep yeah. on all the different platforms pretty much all of them but most you know, of TikTok. them no um <laughs> but uh <laughs> As far as shout outs, again, just sort of a shout out to uh, all of our patrons, uh, you know, since we got Eric on here, just uh, everybody who's over in the, the, the patron, Micah. So our patrons, Adam Rook, Alex Castellanos, Eric Bryant, Dorian Taylor, Trash Turkey, the Techno Funk Boy, Wesley Ray, and Micah Gear Solid. Thank you, gentlemen. There we go. You know, for uh, you guys, you guys get our closing shout out and all of that being said we have no questions except for the one question that remains 
need to be asked. Josh, we have done the things. Eric, we have done the things. And until next time, gentlemen, what should they do? Guys, keep beating down your backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. Sure. Sounds good. <laughs>